is Free Talk Live. Welcome to the live Saturday edition of the show. The number, if you want to join us here, it's 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Uh, coming up, we got the uh, bank downgrades on the way, which uh, could be very, very good news for those of us that want to see the Woo-hoo! end to the central banking uh, monopoly oligopoly system. With you here in the studio tonight, though, it's Ian. Peakless Mountaineer. And the Reverend Captain Kickass. And I know, Peakless, you wanted to weigh in on Javier Malay, the uh, Argentinian guy who is uh, possibly on his way to the presidency does, there. Does he claim to be libertarian or anarcho-capitalist? Well, I believe anarcho-capitalist, although he is a member of the libertarian party, or uh, whatever they call it down there. I've, I've seen both. I've seen libertarians Sort of like, hey, look, it's a libertarian guy, and I've yeah. seen like people go, "This guy's an anarcho-capitalist," and I wasn't sure, yeah, what he officially Wall Street claimed. is a right-wing extremist. Well, that's what most of the mainstream media is saying about him. But the Wall Street Journal did at least say uh, that he was a self-described anarcho-capitalist. Okay, so mm-hmm. he seems to be fairly hardcore as far as libertarian beliefs. Uh, are concerned. We can weigh in on that here in a moment, but first let's go to the phones where we have Dave Ridley on the line from RidleyReport.com. Go ahead, Ridley. Dave. Hey, well, I wanted to bounce an idea off of you guys. Uh, it's kind of uh, speculative, but eventually this is something that probably will happen to us. Uh, uh, by us, I mean the New Hampshire independence movement. Okay, what about it? So uh, I was uh, reading up uh, the Wikipedia article on Daniel Miller from Texit, which is probably the, the the strongest independence movement in the United States right For now, sure. trying to get Texas loose yeah. from the Union. Uh, and the Wikipedia claimed that that uh, Texit, you know, one or more Texit people had visited Russia. Okay. And um, th- there was also, you know, some connection with Russia with uh, with CalExit. Uh, because one of the Calexit guys moved to Russia. Yeah, that's so, right. Uh, yeah, so let's imagine what you know. What do we do if somebody from the Russian government contacts us? Right, that's the really appropriate way to to handle that. Well, obviously, first, somebody from NH Exit needs to move to Russia just to keep everything <laughs> sort of the status quo, <laughs> just to keep up with the Joneses. <laughs> well, what are they contacting us for? Like, what is yeah, the like, goal of them contacting us? Well, they contacted. Detected people and the California people, I'm mm-hmm. assuming, because they love the idea of not having a united federal government to oppose them, right? So, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's in their selfish, selfish interests. The Beijing government will probably do the same thing, to, you know, start trying to do the same thing inside the United States at some point. And that's a sticky situation because I don't like those governments either. So uh, mm-hmm. I think a, a, an appropriate way to handle something like that, and again, this is not that hypothetical because it's already happened to Texit. So... Um, I think the appropriate way to handle something like that is to refuse to go. Like if you were invited to some kind of meeting in Russia or something like that, or refuse to meet with any of these people, uh, unless they provide some kind of concession, like re- releasing a political prisoner or something along those lines. <laughs> this mm. worked out really well for Jesse Jackson in the 80s and in 1999 during the Kosovo War. Mm. Um, so he was able to, he popped over to Lebanon and got a U.S. pilot released after the pilot, after the pilot had bombed Beirut. I like your idea. I hadn't thought of that myself, and I really like the, hey, I you know, try and get something out of it. Yeah, that's uh, the, a nice idea. The other thought that I had was 
uh, you know, if, if uh, I don't know, like, you know, if they came to Free Talk Live, they're like, hey, Captain, do you want to, you know, go to Russia and have a meeting with the Russians or something? I'd be like, sure, as long as I can broadcast it all on the Internet uncensored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this has sort of come up in the past Previously, when we had discussed like Adam Kokesh, who at one time was on the Russia Today channel, and sure, he was yeah. a host, Adam uh, versus had the his man own was show, his show yeah. on there for, I don't know, more than a year, I thought yeah, it feels I like, a couple years. And, uh, and, you know, the question came up if the Russians wanted to sponsor the show or whatever, because Russia Today, by the way, does have a uh, radio division called Sputnik. Sputnik mm-hmm. News, and they actually, last time I checked, had maybe like four or five radio stations in the United States that they are leasing. They don't own the stations, but they're able to, they're like, you know, little AM stations that no one cares about, uh, that the owner doesn't care about, and right. he's willing to lease it to the highest bidder, and so the Russians come in and they, they pay whatever it is that the owner wants them to pay, and they get 24-7 programming uh, ability on these stations, and, you know, I have approached that organization in the past to see if they would be willing to carry free talk live i don't care i'm happy to be on on their air as many as we can be uh, on it, yeah, it wouldn't bother me but then the you know then the question became well what what if they wanted to sponsor the show would you take what is ultimately blood money right like if it's coming from a government right even yeah. even if it is for the purposes of spreading our message is it wrong to accept the money from these people is the enemy of the enemy our enemy yeah, our friend, friend yeah, right. uh, in this case yeah what do you think ridley not sure uh, i haven't get that haven't given that one as much thought yeah but I, I mean i think there's also this swiss concept though that you do business with everybody uh it's kind of a dying concept even in switzerland now but i i really you know, like I used to, I, I had a trading partner of sorts uh, who worked for Manchester City Hall, right? He, he worked as a guard there and we'd buy him, you know, I'd buy stuff from him. He had made these really cool little disaster kits and stuff like that. And I didn't have first qualm about paying him something for a service, right? That mm-hmm. had nothing to do with his city, city work. Um, but like what I want a city to pay me, uh, I, think, I think I'd be pretty uncomfortable with that or with, with uh, you know, foreign governments the same way. Yeah, it would be a really tough thing because I know that if the U.S. military came here and wanted to advertise with us, I would tell them no. Like, I wouldn't even have to think about it. Right. On the other hand, if the Russian government said, we like your message of, you know, undermining the status quo and we want to help uh, facilitate that, you know, there isn't really much of a difference between accepting their airtime, which they are paying for. They wouldn't be paying us for it. Like if we got on the Sputnik stations, sure. it would be a standard. It'd be a standard arrangement that we have with any radio station where we don't charge them, they don't charge us. Right. We have a, what they call the, a barter, the syndication. Deal. Yeah. yeah, and so like I wouldn't have any qualms with that because it would obviously benefit us. We would get more listeners to the show. And them paying us would be a step beyond that to, like, give us our own television program or something like that, right? right. And, and you know, I will say this about Adam Kokesh. Uh, when he was on, we did ask him when we interviewed him, and we were talking about being on Russia Today, whether or not they gave him any kind of editorial uh, control. Were there, were there any restrictions on the topics or the guests or whatever that, that he could discuss or, or have on? And he said no. He said they did not give him any instruction on things he couldn't say. He had total editorial freedom. He could criticize Russia uh, if that was something that he wanted to do. Yeah. And so to that end, I thought, well, that's 
that's pretty good. Like that's that's a good platform to be on then because most corporate radio or corporate television isn't yeah. going to let you do that. Yeah. So I don't know. It is it is a tough question. Anyway, Ridley, uh, any, anything else? Chris Chris Hedges has a show on um, on RT, I think, still, and he's still? a pretty reliable source of. Uh, I'm not familiar with the name. Uh, if it was RT America, that shut down at the beginning of the ukraine conflict unless he's actually in moscow or at one of their other outside the u.s facilities because as i understand it rt america is completely shuttered yeah i could be wrong about that okay you might want to check but in yeah, on he's that a very useful he's a very useful source of information and 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 uh, ideas he's a u.s leftist but he's brilliant all right very good anything else you want to share tonight ridley no just a thought all right man thanks for the call tonight i appreciate it uh, I mean, the, first of all, the Russian government isn't knocking on our door. I'd just like to be clear. Uh, I could never get <laughs> knock, the... Knock, who is it? Yeah, I could Oh, it's the Russians. They're I could here. never get the program director of Sputnik <laughs> on the phone with me in any, you know, manner at all. Yeah. So uh, I, I had met, like, one of their producers at the talk show conference that you went to a couple years ago, Captain, oh, Talkers, or last year, yeah, yeah. yeah, Talkers Magazine. And, you know, we seemed to get along well, and I... I said, well, you know, how do I get in touch with the program director there? And she gave me some suggestions and never panned out into anything at all. Yeah. So um, so it's not like they're, you know, banging on our door trying to get Free Talk Live even on the air, let alone yeah. hand us oodles and oodles well, of, uh, of cash. And I suspect the reason that, uh, you know, if they're even aware of what we mm-hmm. do here at Free Talk Live, uh, if they are aware, I suspect the reason that they haven't uh, reached out is because our message would also undermine them mm-hmm. as a a state, as a, as an organization That's of true. violence. Yeah. Right? We are against all states. Yeah. So we're we're equal opportunity haters when it comes to that. But is the enemy of your enemy your friend? I, I <laughs> yes and no. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, yes, in that it might behoove you to figure out ways to. Um, employ them in spreading your message. Mm-hmm. But if the opposite is true, they're trying to employ you to spread their message, then not That's so not much. That's not okay, yeah. Right? I like to think that the enemy of my enemy is my useful idiot. Okay. That's one way to look at it. I mean, sure. so like right now, for example, there's a big fight between the Federal Reserve and the World Economic Forum on who's going to run the world's central bank digital currency. Mm-hmm. Now, I want both of them to lose. And, and take damage on both sides heavily. Yes. You know. Yeah, and yes. I love the fact that they're fighting. I wouldn't call either of them an ally, but Neither, I, I'm yeah. glad that they're trying to destroy each other. And the more effective they are at that, the less I have to do whenever one of them is finished. Yeah, nothing makes me smile, you know, more than finding like one government agency, you know, harming another government agency in some way. Right. Not necessarily personally, yeah. but like when two government entities fight each other, I'm like, hey, all yeah. right, well, that's, this is cool. That's fewer resources that they have to turn on innocent people right. if they're fighting one another. Uh, you want to comment, you can join the show here. The number is 603-283-6160. We were going to get into, well, since we're talking about Russia and stuff, let's go and continue with international uh, discussions with uh, Javier Millet which is something we talked about in some detail earlier this week. I think it was the Wednesday night show with uh, the ladies and I on the program. Mm. We shared the AP story, which went into some detail on kind of how the primary works in Argentina. 
there was it wasn't entirely clear, but it seems like it is really confusing. Well, you know, we don't live there, right? It's probably really simple if you live there, but uh, we're from the outside trying to figure yeah. it out. I mean, like our political system isn't really simple. Yeah, I live here. Well, one of the things it, it seems a lot better set up for a third party to come in and mm-hmm. actually matter. And that's what happened, uh, where this guy who looks like kind of like Doctor Who a, a little bit, one of the Doctor Who's, <laughs> which from one back in the day, uh, Tom guy, Tom Baker, Tom really? Baker, I think. Uh, I mean, like I've wild seen this guy. Hair. I'm like. He not as curly. It's not curly yeah. hair. But he needs a, like a, he needs a big old wig. scarf and a and a trench coat. I think he could do it though. If he had the scarf and the trench coat, I think he could pull yeah, pull it off. For I Halloween. just think he has amazing sideburns, and I I want more politicians With and amazing. more famous people of all stripes to start wearing their sideburns proudly. <laughs> That's just because you're on Beard Talk Live. It's not That's, just because sideburns it's primarily are, because. Uh, okay, it's not sideburns quite a are, beard though, right? Uh, okay, but I like, would say that I would say that sideburns count as part of a beard. They do. A part. They're not the standard of. beard beard, right. but they're certainly not not a beard. Yeah. Like you could have a mustache and sideburns and no beard. Mm, right? It would look a little weird. You could though. Uh or you could just, you know, have a full beard including. You could have a so beard. So what if you had like a full beard, no mustache, but and you no took a shave straight down the center, like just a tiny little strip, would that then convert your beard into sideburns? Ooh, okay. Yeah, that is an interesting question. These are the things that you guys can hash out tonight <laughs> at Beard Talk Live at 10:30 Eastern Time on our video streaming platforms, which include Odyssey, which you can find over at watch.freetalklive.com. So make sure you mark your calendar Uncensored. for that on Yeah, that's right. No FCC, none of that nonsense there. So, anyway, uh Javier Malay, he is already uh he's already like uh, essentially a U- the equivalent of a representative, a right. national representative there. They call it something else, I don't know if the assembly or whatever. I don't have the details in front of me, but so he's kind of like the Ron Paul of Argentina. It I seems saw like. a video of him speaking and it was, you know, uh, subtitled in English. Yeah, I have not yet seen him speaking English. Maybe he does, but I, I haven't seen any of that. The only video that I've watched is just this one video of mm-hmm. him, and so I'm assuming the translation was accurate. Yep. Uh, and I was like, wow, okay, this guy's saying the right things. Now, What was he saying? I, I don't remember the specifics, but... This is the one, he, he likes to attack the leftists a lot. He, he was these, calling these out interviews. the left yeah. specifically, but then he was also talking about how the free market will lift everybody out of poverty and things of this nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they have and a lot it, of that And that it there. already has. It's just that they need to adopt it as policy, if you will. Right. He wants to abolish the central bank right. in Argentina. That was the other part was the, the bank abolition stuff was just, I was like, yep, okay. Now, that being said... I hear U.S. politicians say these kinds of things no, too. They, no, they don't. And Which U.S. politician? I've never heard U.S. Well, politicians calling for the abolishment of the central bank. Not necessarily the abolishment of the bank. No, okay. no, but like, not even Ron Paul really went that far, right? Ron Paul was pushing well, to the, end the, the Fed, Fed, right? Right. Well, I mean, end the Fed. Did he say end the Fed? Rallying cry, okay, so. I thought it was audit the Fed. I'm sorry, I that was, that was secondarily. Like he, at first, it was end the Fed, and then in the, right. the he next wrote a time, book. it was audit the Fed. He did write a book called End the Fed. Right. So, so okay. I'll but, give him credit for that. But here, here's my my position: is this politicians say a whole lot of things? Sure, they do. Yep, you can't trust them, right? And so, in like, I have to take what this guy says in this video that I watched of him mm. calling out the banks and you know calling out. You know, the, the free markets and, you know, not calling out, but like, uh, you know, rallying for free markets and, uh, ta- you know, ending taxation or at least lowering it and that kind of stuff. Like politicians say a lot of things. And 
if I don't even believe U.S. politicians when they sort of start saying these kinds of things, mm-hmm. why on earth should I believe a guy in some other country well, saying these kinds of things? Presumably, I think the answer to that would be, and I don't, I, I have not done the research on this. I don't know where I would start to do the research on this, but presumably, since he has been, I believe, since 2021, mm-hmm. in the actual. Hall of Representatives or yeah, Assemblymen Chamber or whatever. Of deputies. Is that what it's called? Yep. Uh, he's been a deputy, so presumably, like Ron Paul, he should have a voting record. So at the very least, you should be able to look and see, okay, did he actually vote for a uh, smaller government? Did he vote to abolish X, Y, or Z? Right. What kind of bills did he put forward if that is indeed something he has the ability to do? That is different from your typical politician who has no track record that is just trying to get put into office. At least you could say... Yeah, this guy does what he says he's going to do, or at least so far has done what right. he says and, he's going to like, do. And like we've had uh, recently, we had Aaron Day on this show. The presidential candidate yes. uh, from the Republican side who's actually a pro-liberty individual and a free stater. Yes, uh, he he has uh, something, uh, I think, pinned to his Twitter that was called uh, the Bank Run Manifesto, something along those lines. Mm. Uh, and so uh, compared to... Every other presidential candidate, right? I'm way more on board with the stuff he says. I'm loving some of the stuff he says. He mm. said re- he's been saying recently, "This is the least important election of your lifetime." He keeps saying that. It's so funny. <laughs> nice, because you know they always say it's the most important every two years. Every, it's the most important election. election is, well, yeah. to be fair, they keep getting more and more power, so it kind of technically is. Well, and he also says he doesn't care if you vote for him. What he wants you to do is do this run on the banks right. thing is pull your mm. you know at least some of if not all of your money out of the the banking system he's shooting to get three percent of americans to participate in this because you don't have to have all of them to crash the system You're right a small minority could so, be enough so he in and of himself recently posted a video by joshua smith who apparently has announced himself for a candidate as president as a libertarian as well, as candidate. libertarian candidate yeah. and we can't play the video audio here mm-hmm. online because he you know violates the fcc okay. in his video but like here's a another political candidate saying a bunch of things that sound good to me as a an anarchist a voluntarist uh and then also saying hey if you don't vote for me check out this other guy which politicians don't normally do so he's breaking convention regarding politicians but it's still like you're still a politician you know like yeah, yeah at the is. end of the day you're saying a bunch of stuff to cater to your listeners, your audience, if you will, your your voting demographic. And you guys have a podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And and Break the so cycle. so with within that, he's kind of doing the same thing that other politicians do: is just pandering to your audience. Well, I mean, the Libertarian Party's got to have a candidate, and I don't know if he's going to be the best one that is in the race. Uh, he's certainly got the guy who did Jeremy Kaufman's video. Yeah. Uh, the video work for Jeremy Kaufman, for listeners that may not recall, he ran as a Libertarian candidate for U.S. Senate here Kaufman's in New Hampshire. Kaufman's videos were outstanding. And his videos were really remarkable. They were really hilarious. funny. They had a yeah, right, good sense of humor, well-edited, really pro-level video work. That same guy's name's Dan Smots. He was hired by Josh Smith to do his video work, it seems like, as I understand it. So he's going to bring that same level of quality to the table. 
But ultimately, he still has to go to the Libertarian National Convention next, I think, May. Yeah. And then compete against God knows how many other well, uh, Libertarians. And to, it would be uh, really it. nice if the LP National Party would, you know, for once put forth, oh, a I don't real, know, an actual yeah. Libertarian, like a, a principal person. Yeah. Like, this is the problem with politics, though, is that no matter how hard you try to, to join it from the inside and make a change, it's nearly impossible. Because the system itself is based on corruption. Yeah. And no, this is true, true for, for the organization type known as government around the world. It's really disgusting to be involved in politics a lot of the time. I mean, right now, I'm particularly turned off by the fact that there's so many supposed liberty reps, as they're called here in New Hampshire. These are people who many of them score in the A range. Like, they get an A on the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance yearly scorecard Mm -hmm. Uh, they get a grade from them based on how they vote on issues they will score as a rated reps and yet some of these people are supporting ron desantis for president and it's like it doesn't make sense to me you cannot how you can on one hand purportedly believe in individual liberty and personal freedom be a free state project participant have moved here migrated here as part of a libertarian migration and yet back a psychopath who is talking about shooting people to death on the border who try to cross uh, if they're quote unquote cartel members how you would know one right. immigrant from a cartel member i well, don't pe- know these people are making this decision based purely on the symbolism I mean, it's not a matter of what he's going to do, what his policies are, anything like that, or even where he's been, what he's done. It's he is a symbol of not locking down. Now, as we've covered on this show, that even that's not really true. But sure, he the was fact pimping remains, the vaccines, right? Well, but the yeah. fact remains that he is a symbol of not kowtowing to the global uh, elite domination of the world, and you know, of well, it, actually it, fighting it's back. A, it's well, a false though, symbol. Oh, I'm it's aware. totally false. I am aware. I, let Just, our listeners know. Yeah, Abraham Lincoln is a symbol of the end of slavery. I mean, it is, and he, that's a false symbol yeah, too. Yeah. But a lot of people really love. Abraham Lincoln because of his symbolism and that's really it's uh, it's symbol minded thinking well and that's pathetic right like these are people who should know better these are people who should know better than to trust uh, a national politician like this so there's all kinds of disappointments in the in the realm of politics from especially from people that purportedly uh, would know better the don't number here, be led by people who win a popularity contest yeah. that's all I say the number here is 603-283-6160 you can join the show you can bring up anything you want we got more i think you probably have more to say on this mm-hmm. javier malay uh in argentina coming up free talk live is brought to you by dash digital cash dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending rising fees have made bitcoin useless for purchases but dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure it's undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. 
Free Talk Live. You can join the show and join us here at 603-283-6160. We're talking about Javier Malay, the uh, surprise winner of apparently what is called the uh, primary election in Argentina. So it's not over yet. He still has another actual like general election to get through. Uh, in order to become the president of Argentina. Right, so is this like the uh, the sports playoffs where you start with a bunch of people and it sort of narrows down the candidates until you Basically. get down to like two, mm-hmm. like it does here? Um, it, it's Three in this case, but yeah. Okay. As I understand it, um, what's going to happen in a couple of months, first of all, he got 30% of the vote in this primary and that it was a little bit more than the other guys got uh, in the big major parties. This Javier Malay is a libertarian, so the idea that a libertarian could get more than, I don't know, 3% is pretty shocking. Um, He got almost a third of the primary vote. And what's going to happen uh, in the next two months, as I understand from what I've read, uh, if you're living in Argentina and you can clarify this, feel free. The number is 603-283-6160. Or call us on our SIP line, sip.freetalklive.com. Stands for super important person. Uh, you go there and you can, if it will make it easy to call from Argentina. You don't have to deal with long distance or anything like that. SIP.freetalklive.com. Uh, the step by step instructions are there. But apparently, what's going to happen in a couple months is the general election will occur. And if you don't win by, I believe, I think you have to win by at least 40%, although I've heard 50% reported as well. So okay. a fairly high. Uh, margin in a what is it going to be a three-way race if you do not reach that particular level if no candidate reaches that level they will eliminate the last candidate and then it will be a runoff in another couple weeks or a few weeks after that between the top two candidates uh, okay so that's how that's going to play out I, I will say the the one video of him that i watched and it appeared to be uh, like a television interview probably I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. It was probably edited from the original content or whatever. Mm -hmm. But from what I saw, the dude is a very passionate speaker. Yeah. Like he, he emotes everything. Like he he feel like you get the feeling that he's feeling the pain when he speaks. Mm -hmm. Now, is this acting? I don't know. Because that's what actors do. Mm -hmm. Right. He is apparently an economist. Yeah, so so you were asking, like, why should I trust him? And, okay, fair question, but up until six years ago, he was just a macroeconomics teacher in, and mind you, an anti-Keynesian, anti-Marxist economics mm-hmm. teacher in Argentina. Mm-hmm. So he was already on board with the Austrian economics? Yeah. Yeah, dude's already been on board with the Austrian economics for a really long time. Then, like, six years ago, he gets into politics at all. Uh, like, their their Libertarian Party is only five years old. Wow. Yeah. So, like, uh, it, it has existed for five years almost now, and suddenly he's, you know, the number one candidate that people are, are voting for for the nomination. Yeah. So... I mean, I, I get the skepticism, but my my expectations is assassination by the CIA. That's really well, what, what I think is going to end up here. And then you'll know that I was right. That, that <laughs> right. or he wins, right? I mean, he could lose and nothing could happen, I suppose. But I, I would hope that this type of a message, maybe it's a sign, I don't know, that like this message, the message of freedom, the message of 
uh, actual economics, you mm -hmm. know, where two plus two equals four and, oh, supply and demand is really supply and demand, not this voodoo that we have with the status government, and the Keynesian philosophies, mm -hmm. right? Uh, maybe it's just you can't stop an idea whose time has come. Maybe it is time. And that time is definitely closer in Argentina because of the economic circumstances mm -hmm. the people of Argentina are in oh, right yeah. now with over 100% inflation, inflation yeah. on a yearly basis. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, sorry, I, I read that somewhere and I'd forgotten about it, but oh my God. Yeah, it's yeah. like 128%. So basically 10% yeah. a month prices are, are going wow. up in uh, in Argentina. In fact, the news story we read about his uh, win over the weekend, this was last weekend when he won the primary, yeah. was that the Argentinian central bank devalued the currency another 20% apparently in response to him winning. <laughs> it's like they pr yep. they pulled the print button again or they pulled the print lever. Wait, wait, he and, won the, the, oh, we better print more. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Maybe they feel like their time's running out and they're like, uh, all right, we got to oh, yeah, take this no, thing it, for all it's worth. My interpretation of that is they went, oh, he's going to end the central bank. So that means this currency isn't even going to be around anymore. But wait a minute. So I'm going to get out of this currency while the getting's good. You sound like you've done some research into this. So I'll ask you a question I had earlier this week. Mm -hmm. Can he just end the central bank? Or wouldn't he need, presumably, the legislature's support on this? I don't know that much, actually. Yeah. Um, and, and that does seem to be one of the, the questions about this is like, OK, he's a third party candidate. He does not have the support of either of the parties. Right. Neither the left nor the right. So they all want to have their central bank on right. their side. Right. right? So, so how much forever. can he get done? But that's I know, the big question. I would love to find out. I mean, and, the, the reason that somebody like me would support anybody running for any office mm. at all. And you don't vote, so like and, to get you to support anybody. And and but you know that I have, and I do. Like I, I will support them in ways other than voting for I see. them. Okay. Right. You know, like, hey, I support your message or I'll mm -hmm. repost your content or I'll like your stuff or yeah. or whatever. It's because of the messaging, right? Right. To me, this like is Aaron Day. Right. This is an opportunity and, and even you and like nobody and yeah. like when you guys have run for stuff, like I've never been like, You guys are dumb, you should right. be. No, yeah, yeah, it's true. No, you I haven't. support it's you true. guys because it's important to get the message out there and the people we need to reach the most are the people who are voting mm, right so right. like there is reason to support these people and what they're doing if for no other reason than to help spread the message of freedom and liberty and uh, stable economics and real value and real currency and all that kind of stuff all the stuff we need for everybody to be more free totally agreed so i another question in relation to this is is Javier Malay, obviously he's the face of the Libertarian Party in Argentina right now. He's getting a lot of attention. In fact, we learned that he turned his website off to anyone that's outside of the, the region. If, if you're in Europe or, or you're in the United States, too much? I suspect so, because he's getting a ton of international press. Uh, so anyway, if you can VPN around that. I tr well, unless you could VPN into Argentina, Argentina right. I don't think you'd be able to get to his website. Okay. So at least that was the case a few days ago. But my question is also, is there like going to be a full slate of other libertarian candidates who can sort of ride the, his coattails, potentially also sweeping them into office, whether or not they're principled or not? I don't know. But yeah. are there dozens of them? Are there three of them? Uh, what's that look like? Again, if you're in down in Argentina well, and you have an idea, any idea, give us a call tonight. And perhaps, you know, we saw Ron Paul. Uh, when did we when did he campaign last? 2012. 12. OK. So 2012. So perhaps 
it could be seen as sort of a, a second man. You know, in uh, in any social movement, the second man mm, all right. always the most important, hmm. right? Because like one guy stands up and says, "Hey, this is wrong. He we takes shouldn't the arrows. do this anymore." And everybody, yeah, he takes all the arrows and all the criticism mm-hmm. and all the flag and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. it's not until the second man stands up that other people go, "Hey, you know what? Both these guys are right." And mm-hmm. then the third man, and then the fourth, and then all of a sudden, the social movement goes, and and the change is made within society, not mm-hmm. necessarily politically, but like societal change. That's how it happens. And so, perhaps this is the second man. If Ron Paul is the first man, perhaps this is the second man. Well, in another side of the second man possibility that I see for this, so if he ends up as the president of Argentina, yeah. then he will be the second head of state of a country to be in favor of cryptocurrency. Right. Yep. And I think that is a tremendous shift possible. And as we've pointed out, you know, the, that second man really is the trigger point for anyone else who's like, huh, maybe I'd like to do that. But until that second one does, no one's going to. Right. So as soon as if he does man, manage to win this, then anyone who's waiting in the wings politically in any country in the world will suddenly go, oh, you know, maybe I really ought to start doing this and start moving my country away from being dominated by the current the central currencies of giant countries and i know that uh, many people uh, will vote based on you know sort of non-logical reasons oh i just like that guy the way he speaks or oh he doesn't mm-hmm. look like the other politicians or that kind of thing uh taking a look at uh, this guy what's his name javier malay uh taking a look at this guy well he's not an old white guy he's a white guy but he's not gray he at least he's white as hair. a Hispanic white guy. Is he Hispanic? Right? I mean, I, he must be, right? He, he struck me as uh, Caucasian when I when I watched him. But at, at any rate, what he's not. Well, a lot of Hispanics are white. He's not, uh, you know, a geriatric uh, gray hair. No, he's like fifty three or something. Right. And so w- one of the things that I would love to see, especially because well, the boomers are dying now, mm-hmm. right? Is a youth movement in all of politics, right, towards freedom. Because it's these old people aren't going to learn new tricks. They're not yeah, going to. They don't gonna even. Under, they barely understand right. how to operate a freaking email, right. right? Much less an app on a cell phone or whatever. All you know, all the new stuff that's so common to anybody under oh, I don't know, fifty, for example, right? So, uh, like to me, that's all positive, and I would like to see more of that too. Because there is this sort of old guard that still exists that yes. hasn't been replaced the youth and by youth i'm like I'm talking like 50s, 50s right? yeah. yeah that that would be a youth the movement for for politics across right. the world right but like if we can get people like 50 and younger in these positions of power i think that's going to speed up the process to liberty, the, the the path to freedom. Well, and there Absolutely. was a time when Ron Paul was in his 40s and his 50s, and he was involved. You've seen, I'm sure, some of the videos from the 1980s oh, of yeah. Ron Paul on like the Morton Downey Jr. show and like going at people and having a real principled uh, view on things. But he didn't have the same impact in the 1980s as right. this guy is right now in Argentina. Uh, even in 2008 and 2012, when Ron Paul was put on the debate stage, we thought he did awesome, and he got a lot of good positive response from the audience in the room, but it didn't translate into anything close to a win right. uh, in those primary elections, because fact is, the American people are comfortable. I mean, they mm. they are in the wealthiest society on the planet. 
indeed, but for now, you know, they're well fed. It's getting harder to get the food, right? Like we're, we're hearing, we were just talking last night when you and I were hanging out, Captain, about people getting a second and third job in some cases. Yep. Uh, there's a really interesting video from uh, Professor St. Ange about Canada and how much worse it is, even just across the Canadian border yeah. for people there. Like they are kind of a harbinger of things to come for the United States where people are, it's really tough to make ends meet now. Uh, and so, you know, that's still what we have now is we don't have hunger really in America at this point, but in Argentina and Venezuela, places down in South America, you are seeing that happening from these disastrous, uh, economic policies. And so the people there are looking for an answer. And this guy is coming out and saying, and pointing the finger at the the problem, which is of course, I think he uses terms like thugs or, or, uh, liars and Mm -hmm. like literally, uh, he calls this all what these it things. Is. He Goons, calls tyrants, parasites. Yeah. Yeah. He, he calls the, the printed money the worst garbage on the face of the earth, which yeah. it is. And people know that. Yeah. That, that's true. Yeah and, yeah, and that's one of the things where you ask me, can he actually end the central bank? Now, even if, you know, by their rules, he personally can't. Mm-hmm. The fact is, if he ends up as president, all of the people who are like, yeah, we need to end this now, will be able to put pressure on their congressmen or, you know, whatever the... Uh, sure. On their deputies as it were they'll be able to put pressure on them to end this thing and then if they don't listen they will get ousted yep they will see that that is a potential future for them is to lose their next election even if there's not a libertarian running against them this time around they may be able to field one of them in two or four years or whatever the the period of time is down there and then they would know that they should either you know, get into shape on this particular issue or they're going to be removed. I think you're right about yeah. that. Yeah, and and I think it's absolutely uh, crucial to the point that this is part of a, a much larger movement from the old guard to yeah. the new guard. What, what enthuses me is the ideas of liberty are not confined to the United States, mm-hmm. much less New Hampshire, right. right? That these are ideas that are spreading throughout the globe there are libertarians. We had uh, a gentleman here in the studio from Germany. Yeah. And he gave mm-hmm. us, I, I, I took him home and I looked at him later and there are all these like German the stickers, stickers that yeah. are like the same kind of stuff we have. Right? And, and the Fed and, you yeah, know, yeah. screw the banks and, you know, whatever, this kind of taxation is theft. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's the German version of this yep. stuff. And I was, I was just so, I, I just took a moment and enjoyed that mm-hmm. because I, I realized that this is an international, this is a global thing. Right, this change, this right. gear towards more freedom, more liberty, uh, the end of statism as the de facto way to organize people is growing in popularity across the globe, and it's not going to. No one is going to be able to stop the idea. No, it's true. just unstoppable. Mm-hmm. That's what V for Vendetta said, right? Um, which, by the way, I heard they're going to remake that. Why? Uh, yeah, why? Why do you need <laughs> to, to do make that? it less incendiary? Of course, yeah. we'll see. We'll we see. can't have people rising up against that government. Know, Hugo Weaving knocked it out of the park, man. Yeah, it was one. a good, good film. If you haven't seen that one, check, yeah, check it out. Maybe they want to make it look less like reality. Because yeah. if you remember, there was like this massive staged uh, uh, outbreak of yeah. a, yeah. of a mm-hmm. disease, mm-hmm. and that's why we need tyrannical government. Yeah, totally. Was predictive in that. In oh that yeah, way. absolutely. Uh, so, what else have you learned about Javier Malay, uh, Peakless Mountaineer, that you wanted to share with us here tonight? Uh, well, 
Well, I, I suppose we've really uh, covered most of it, honestly. Okay. is just, uh, I mean, we have someone who, like, everything that I've ever heard out of this guy is something that I would expect from one of us to say. Mm. Like, well-knowledged, uh, like, well-established knowledge that actually conforms with reality and predictive models of what happens when you do X to an economy. Uh Calling things as they are. He calls inflation the, the inflation tax. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The yeah. inflation tax. Yeah. I mean, that mere concept alone, mm-hmm. if widely enough distributed, That's might big. be enough to bring down like uh, the majority of the corruption and tyranny on earth today. Yeah. That is huge. Yeah, I got to give him a lot of credit for his communication method of getting it. And obviously it works, right? To come into a primary and snatch 30% of the vote, Mm -hmm. which is obviously going to get him even more press coverage. It is, by the way. There's a lot Mm -hmm. more coverage, not just, I'm sure, outside of... Uh, as we've seen a lot outside of Argentina, but within Argentina as well. This guy came from behind and was a surprise win. Of course, all the polls, by the way, showed him losing the primary or, you know, being the last place. Mm -hmm. And he instead was first place, defeating the major parties. And so um, I think somebody else pointed out that what could very well happen at the general election is no one gets to 50% or 40% or whatever the minimum is. And so then they knock out the third person, uh, and then it goes off to the runoff between the top two. The question is then, and they they, pre- they predicted that the liberal party would get knocked out because they, they lost the primary. They were the least vote getters. Mm-hmm. So they might get knocked out. And then it becomes like, uh, you know, what do, or maybe it was, was it the liberals? I forget which one it was. But anyway, what does the other side do? Does the side that got knocked out of the primary decide to go with the libertarian guy or do they stick do they hold their nose presumably and go with the people that they hate the most right, right? Yeah, like the, I the don't opposing know. party the other yeah the, the so other side. I mean, by no means has this guy got it in the bag with 30 percent. it's yeah. not going to be enough uh so there's a lot that's going to have to go down here in the next two months to really and again get uh, him to win i i expect him to not win mm-hmm. me too and not because i don't believe in the ideas of freedom but because I've seen what statism does and how it operates, right? Yeah, uh, and if, how the CIA operates. If, too. Yeah, if if Stack you think that if you think that mm-hmm. he's not going to get assassinated, or if there's not going to be some sort of uh, you know oh a voting error mm-hmm. or something that goes on, you know some sort of tomfoolery, uh, you know I, I've seen all of these things, and I expect them to be deployed to prevent him from winning because that's the last thing statists want is somebody who wants to get rid of the organization known as government well yeah, I, I expect them to be deployed i don't know if they'll succeed and i i did see him another comment i saw from him this week in order uh asking to describe himself yep. he said he's an anarcho-capitalist in the long view and a minarchist in the short view basically because mm-hmm. right. he understands that you can't just delete the state overnight you have to sure you know cut it down to size yeah it's first. like everyone that i talk to oh my gosh but if you end the state like this will happen it's like well that's only if you end the state like yeah. tomorrow mm. it's not a switch you don't just turn it off there has to be a dismantling process but all that being said even if this guy loses mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about him yeah. right argentina's right. talking about him you know all of europe's talking about him they've had to restrict access to their website because right. of how many people yeah. are talking so, about this guy you know he was uh, in my opinion, that's a win for freedom. That's a yeah, win for liberty. I agree. Right. Right. I mean, uh, 
national politics in this country, especially, we've as I've always said, we we use that as a bully pulpit. Like that is a way to amplify our message. Yep. It's not a way of actually wielding power. That's not what that what the point of that is. But uh, I mean, wow, what an extraordinary like amplitude of this message this man's given. And honestly, what great courage mm-hmm. to like yeah. spend your life in a Marxist country, <laughs> decrying central planning. Yeah. And yeah. then... That's you, risky. Yeah. And then you serve one term as a, a, a deputy and go immediately to the presidency in a libertarian party that has only existed for five years. And it's working. So, I mean... It's working better than anything they've tried here in 50 years with the libertarian party. Right. Right. I mean, and here, if we get three, if libertarians get 3%, we get all the bullion. We're very excited about 3%. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy got 30%. Right. Maybe, uh, maybe there could be some lessons learned by libertarian parties the world over, how yeah. these guys are doing it. Yep. Well, and for one thing, they have a different voting system. If you just have a simple one person, one vote, first past the post system, you will always have two choices. Mm-hmm. That's just that's mathematically yeah. what will what will occur. I, I'm not discounting that, but what I am saying is that uh, there has been some uh, some campaign things uh, that that he has done. Likely, uh, I can't point to anything specifically because I haven't paid this much attention to it. But likely, there have been some campaign things that he and the party have done that folks could take a lesson from Mm, yeah indeed and i also want to put out there that uh if he does manage to become president there will and somehow doesn't manage to get assassinated there will likely be an extraordinary move against him from the heads of state of the rest of the world and certainly Mm. certainly by the imf they will pull all the same nonsensical trickery that they did uh with the the first embracement of uh, of bitcoin saying oh this is too risky and they can't possibly pay all of their debts and then of course being entirely silent when they pay all of their debts <laughs> but i i absolutely if 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 uh argentina and a bit us are luckily are lucky enough to get this man in, as president that is likely the kind of moves that they will move immediately against him to say see his ideas don't work look how bad it was for argentina after he got elected yeah, it is going to be interesting to see how this uh, plays out. There's a clip here from Bloomberg Television, uh, which, again, he's always speaking in Spanish, so there's uh, subtitles, where he says, I think there's a previous discussion about dollarization. Actually, strictly speaking, it's to get rid of the central bank. The dollarization is an instrumental issue. At the end of the day, there are four argumentative axes. One has to do with a moral issue, which is that stealing is wrong, and seniorage is nothing more or less than a swindle by politicians against good people. Therefore, let's say if we consider that stealing is wrong, one of the greatest thieves in the history of mankind is the central bank. Mm -hmm. The second point has to do with the technical issue because in the Argentine case... It is more evidence when a product, uh, going a little too fast here for me, (laughs) it is more evidence when a product has no demand, its price is zero. So if the local currency has no demand and its price should be zero, the equilibrium real balances are zero. Whatever amount of money a central bank wishes to impose, the counterpart is that the price level is infinite. Demand and its price should be zero. Equilibrium, real balances are zero. Whatever amount of money a central bank wants to impose. The flip side is the price level has infinity. Now, I have no idea what all that meant right there. Well, he's just saying that 
there should be a market for currency. Mm-hmm. And if there's no demand for your currency, the value of that currency is nothing. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, I guess the difference would be, and maybe he talks about it in the longer interview. That's just a clip from, I think, uh, you know, 20, 30 minute interview yeah. with him. Maybe he gets into the fact that the legal tender is what keeps the price above zero because mm-hmm. legal tender usually means that the government will force you to accept their right. garbage currency right. in regards to anything that you buy or sell. And will only accept their garbage currency for your taxes. So if you have profited in one way or another, if you want to pay your taxes, you better have acquired some of their worthless garbage currency. There's more coming up here. If you want to weigh in on Javier Malay, the Argentinian presidential candidate who is leading right now, potentially the next winner of the presidency down there, and he's a libertarian who wants to abolish the central bank. Our two's coming up. Protection. Eleutheromania. The insatiable desire for freedom. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. Libertarian Party candidate in Argentina who won the primary, meaning he beat, with 30% of the vote, he beat the other two major parties. Libertarian Party, they're not a major party. Um, Although, and when I say that, I I just mean they're newer. They don't, presumably didn't have the support. At least they didn't think they had this level of support. Uh, But they did, turns out. There's a lot of people in Argentina who are interested, if not in the principles of liberty, Certainly interested in change. Certainly interested in seeing what this guy could bring to the table, which is apparently a bill to abolish the central bank, among other things. We can mm-hmm. talk more about him coming up with you tonight. It's Ian. Beakless Mountaineer. And the captain. Let's go to the phones here. We do have on the line with us Skeeter in California. Go ahead, Skeeter. Hello, free riders. Hey, I, I just wanted to uh, talk about my uh, reputation system, but I, I can't help but uh, contribute to your conversation uh, Your conversation about uh, the Libertarian Democratic Movement. Uh, so I have like what's uh, that? What's the Libertarian Democratic Movement? What you guys are talking about with Argentina? I don't think they call uh, so themselves num- that. Yeah, I've, uh, I've never heard that term before. Well, if you just parse it out, uh, those words uh, fit. Like he's libertarian, uh, it's a democratic movement. Democratic is a word that has uh, been used to describe many things, frequently uh, mutually exclusive. Well, so. it's just, I'm just referring to the voting process, so relax, buddy. Okay, so number one, if you guys I'm like Russia buddy, or Argentina, <laughs> okay, homie. If you guys We're like not your Russia homie. or Argentina so much, what's that? We're not your homie. Uh, okay, okay, fine. If you guys like Russia or Argentina so much, why don't you guys just move there? Didn't you I might actually uh, move to Argentina if it comes down to it. I mean, if, if Argentina actually turns into a libertarian 
you know, country in some way, shape, or form, then it, it would, I think, absolutely attract mm-hmm. uh, some of us over there. Sure. I mean, uh, let's, let's the, the other that countries that adopted uh, cryptocurrency already attracted uh, libertarian-minded cryptocurrency enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. So uh, it stands to reason hey, that that's exactly there? what would happen. Why don't you move there, Captain? Well, why should I move? There, the the state is the one who sucks. <laughs> because you're free riding. That's what is that supposed to mean? But anyways, free uh, how riding. Am I free yeah, riding? That's twice you've accused us of that. And would yeah, you like to you, explain? It, it, you you it, need to explain that. So by not moving there, it shows that you value the, the national defense that U.S. provides over. No, it doesn't. No, it certainly does not. You're, you're the one no, who the U.S. Uh, actually provides a negative national defense. It uh, causes me to be in more danger than I would be if it were not there. Yeah, you're the one who calls in to defend how much you love the U.S. government's national defense. The reason why I would say, and I can't speak for these two guys, first of all, I can't leave. I'm under uh, threat of, and duress. So, but if I could, if I could leave, I wouldn't move to Argentina right now because they haven't had this libertarian revolution yet. It right. just is a, you know, it's a potential future uh, for them. I would want to see some progress before I would decide to move there. What about you guys? Yeah, the same. I mean, as uh, as we're looking forward, uh, there is a very strong possibility that cryptocurrency will become completely illegalized in the United States. Mm -hmm. And if that happens and New Hampshire remains part of that, then I will have to leave one way or another. Right. We've all shown the propensity to be willing to move for more liberty. That's why the three of us are here in New Hampshire. We migrated here. I I already made my move. I'm not done doing the work that needs to be done here with regards to that. So uh, what have you done, Skeeter, to forward liberty other than call us and be annoying? I'm making myself Huh? I'm making myself rich off uh, the backs of people who want to loan money to the U.S. government. That's what I'm doing. Hopefully, You're making yourself my... rich off the backs of people who want to loan money to the U.S. government. What does that even mean? Yeah, so I'm I'm uh, I'm paying taxes so I can free ride national defense. That doesn't make me a hypocrite, though. Because I don't think that uh, answered I'm, I'm the actually, captain's question. I'm, yeah, it actually is. If you <laughs> how are you making yourself rich off of the backs of those people? Well, my question is, what because have you the, done to because, forward freedom? Because there are a lot of things that national defense. Uh, provides that you don't directly see just like a good business environment uh <laughs> easy cap easy capital well, right so, so I mean, you seem US to be under the mistaken impression that we are being provided defense hang on what's that what did you say there peakless he's not listening he's just rambling of course yeah he seems to be under the mistaken impression that we are receiving defense from the united states federal government when in fact well the that's what the department's yeah. called it must be true yeah i mean <laughs> the the blowback that that causes puts me in way more danger than i would be in if they would leave us alone like what, like what? Like what? what are oh you well, at, at right present now? I'm at risk of being annihilated in a nuclear war, and would not otherwise, except for the United States Department of Defense. Why? Why hasn't uh, Russia sent a nuke our way then? Is it because our national defense scares them? Mm, God is good. Beats me, man. Well, nuclear proliferation has done a pretty good job over the years of stopping even psychopathic presidents from hitting the launch button because they themselves would be. In some jeopardy, yeah, if but they for did example, that. Uh, Argentina is not at risk of being annihilated by Russia. How many minutes of sleep have you lost over over fear of nuclear attack? Dude, I grew up no, in the eighties, bro. Everybody was afraid of the nukes, man. 
like oh my gosh yeah, like I've heard the, the whole yeah. reason the whole reason that uh, Gen X if you will had the attitude of live for today because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring was a direct result of the threat of nuclear annihilation it's worth noting he never answered your question captain he never you asked does him a simple simple well i did get an answer out of him the other day and uh, i don't know if you even want to thank him for the call uh, but uh, I did get an answer out of him wherein I asked him what he was doing, and he said he was voting. Mm-hmm. Great. That's it. Yeah. That's and how vote- he's going to bring about that. I asked him what he was doing to bring about his, uh, his accelerationism, vision, right, yeah. right? He wants to accelerate the, the government to its maximum tyranny, its maximum size, its maximum expense. And I asked him what he was doing to you know, facilitate that acceleration, and he said he was voting. So we can expect him to have zero effect on absolutely anything in the future. Well, and voting for more government in California. Yeah, it's inevitable. You could just sit back and do (laughs) nothing. Wouldn't you know it? I'm doing exactly as much as he's doing. You're doing. And also all of the things that I'm actually doing. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing for me with uh, with Argentina, though, is, I mean, obviously, this is a a response to them uh, having the over 100 percent inflation rate. You mean the vote for Javier Malay? Yes, exactly. Of course it is. Yeah. yeah, People are hurting. Yeah. The vote for Javier Malay, the sudden prominence of the Libertarian Party after such a short period of time. So. Since that's happening now here, I think that this is a sign of things to come. So, like, yeah, right now they're mm-hmm. sort of at the bottom of the pack. They have the the worst inflation. But, I mean, we are seeing the demolition of the entire global economic system right now. Mm-hmm. And, sure, it will probably take a lot of countries down before it takes the U.S. down. And in that process, we're going to see country after country after country who moves in the same direction as Argentina. Yeah, I see Argentina as sort of like Greece, too. <laughs> not, not the movie, uh, <laughs> but Greece, the country, uh-huh. uh, where you know they're seeing things that resemble hyperinflation, Right. Uh, You know, the people are beginning to hurt. Uh, But didn't Greece just get a bailout from the EU? Yeah. But still, there there was a period of time where everything was just sort of up in the air and like people were hurting and, you know, wonder, you know, their paycheck could only buy something that day and they had to spend it before it was worthless tomorrow. That Mm -hmm. kind of a thing. So uh, at least this time. Uh, at least someone, this Javier guy, is speaking up, right? And probably uh, vicariously a whole bunch of people who voted for him, at least in this primary, uh, are also you know, getting their voice heard. Uh, going back to Skeeter for just a moment, uh, all Skeeter's doing is using the violence of the state for his own personal benefit, mm. if what he says is true, right? Uh, that, that's all that he's doing. And that in and of itself is a violation of the NEP. The non-aggression principle. Yeah, I I think he really illustrates the difference between the two approaches of life. So you can either attempt to impose your view on others, as Skeeter does. Now, with us, he, of course, doesn't have the violence to do it. I'm sure he would use that if he had the violence to do it. But instead of having a conversation, and those are really your only two options, you can either impose your view on others, which can at least initially be done verbally, where you go, no, no, here's this is right, this is right, and, you know, use rhetoric to to sway them whether or not it's logically true. Mm -hmm. But eventually that always devolves into aggressive violence Mm -hmm. in order to cause people to forcibly come around to your way of saying things. Or you can have a conversation where we acknowledge the differences between our our narratives uh, and our perspectives and then hash out exactly what those differences are and why. 
which leads not only to the possibility of one of us changing our mind, but to us coming to new conclusions entirely that neither of us had before. I, I spoke about growing up in the 80s, and one of the things that I remember about that was there was this uh, repetitive narrative. Uh, somebody would be wronged in some sort of way, and then somebody would get some press about it, and then that somebody would get some assistance from you know, some sort of an organization, a political organization, and they would uh, you know, write up some sort of a, a law, and then it would get named after whatever the tragedy was, that happened to that person, mm. and then they'd get more press, and that would be hailed as a success story. Right. When in fact, uh, and this is repeated in several different ways, and it's still being repeated today, uh, just in different ways in many different states and in, in the United States as well, uh, it's still happening. But essentially what that is is what you described. It's somebody who isn't willing or able to provide the violence themselves outsourcing that to the government mm -hmm. to force their opinion on other people. Right. Javier Malay interviewed by Bloomberg. Uh, it's in a Spanish language, but they do have a, uh, a guy here who's doing the vocal translation for us. And, and one of the questions we had about Javier and his plan to yeah. abolish the central bank was, is he going to need the Congress or their equivalent of that uh, what do they call the deputies, mm -hmm. I think, uh, there in Argentina. Yeah, chamber of deputies. Is he going to need them to do it? And the answer is yes. He is going to, uh, presuming he's elected the president, mm -hmm. which we won't know for another couple months, uh, but presuming he's elected, he will come to office with a bill in hand. And like the first thing he does is going to be handing down a bill to the deputies and say, look, here's the bill that I want to see passed to abolish the central bank. You guys do your thing. And you guys hear, hearing something out there? Looks like a car alarm going off. Um, anyway, <clears throat> what uh, what he said, the next question from the, the questioner here is, well, okay, what if Congress doesn't do it? Because you pointed out, Peakless, that there's going to be a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. It's going to be obvious that this guy, his number one issue is ending the central bank, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's his, he's pounding that more than anything else. So you can't always say why someone votes for another person, right? Like right. a lot of people yeah. just vote for somebody because they're not the other guy, right? A mm -hmm. lot of people voted for Donald Trump because he wasn't Hillary Clinton and vice versa. So we don't know why 30% of the people of Argentina voted for him in the primary, sure. but it's not... You're not going too far out of range to say a lot of those people probably like his idea of dollarization of the economy and abolishing the central bank because dealing with the inflation is a day-to-day -day problem that these people have. So I don't think it's going too far out on a limb to, to say that. So here's the next question that he gets asked. I'm going to play the audio from Bloomberg here. What would you do if the Congress says no? I will plebiscite it. And move forward? No, I'll leave it to the will of the people so that the Congress can explain them why it does not want them to choose which currency to have. And what would you... So plebiscite, uh, long word, it essentially means he's going to put it to a question, a voting uh, ballot question to mm. the people. Now, again... So it's what, like a ballot initiative kind of thing? Yeah, I don't know if he has the ability to just do that. He... From the way he said that, it made it sound like he could just, you know, wave a wand and put this question onto the next ballot, right. or maybe even have a special election mm. to ask this one question of, "Do you want to see the central bank abolished?" Because then you'll know for sure, right. right, what people want. You don't have to just extrapolate and say, "Oh, well, they voted for you." That doesn't mean they want to abolish 
the central bank. So that's his plan right now is to let the Congress do it on their own volition or let the people vote on it and then let the Congress try to explain to them why they're wrong, why mm. they should keep uh, the central bank around. Right. Yeah, and I, I think this is a, a great way to sort of end run around one of the perpetual problems of politics that if you fix one problem, they have caused five problems while you fixed that one problem. Mm-hmm. But with something like a central bank, all of their problems come back to this one thing. Right. So all of these other problems that they've caused, if you if you solve this one problem, you can solve more problems than they can create in that time. And that's almost impossible to do otherwise. Yeah, I mean, follow the money, right? A lot of people hear this, right? It's a popular trope, popular meme, follow the money. If you actually follow the money when it comes to politics, it really always comes back to central banking. Right. Something that is not necessary. Uh, I would argue that it wasn't necessary in the first place. There are arguments that say, well, you know, society didn't have the ability and we needed these monolithic structures for a while just to get to a point where we could, you know, build decentralized. No, it was never necessary for the people. It was necessary to the people who want to steal from them. That's what the central bank does. And that's what it's always been there for. It's always been a mechanism to extract wealth from the populace. I mean, that's that's it. I mean, this this goes all the way back to where they were clipping coins before there was printed money. They had actual, you know, silver or gold coins. And the king would have them clipped to uh, still make them mostly passable. People would still accept them, even though they weren't the full weight. And they would then take the extra gold, melt it down, and make make more coins. So it was Mm -hmm. a a rudimentary form of inflation in in the old days. Or, of course, uh, debasing it by making it uh, an amalgam, by mixing another metal Putting in garbage pot metal or whatever into it, which they do now, by the way, in uh, Mm -hmm. in the U.S. coinage, uh, which used to be 90% silver before 1965, I believe it was. It was 1964, I think, was the last year of the 90% silver. I got paid in some some silver coinage at uh, Pork and Fork. Sweet. This year, nice. uh, several dimes or uh, yeah, yeah, dimes. Uh, yeah. I got I got several dimes, uh, and I think one quarter. Yeah, so, nice. Yeah, I, I was like, oh wow, this is awesome. Back when those things were worth yeah. something, so they went in my safe, and those are still worth <laughs> something because they're real silver, and right. at least ninety percent of it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one of the fun things is a bunch of uh, a bunch of comparisons of well. If you if you take each dollar, uh, you know, for for like uh, comparing old versus new, if you take well, well, they were only paid two dollars an hour, and it's like, well, two dollars was worth four quarter ounces of silver, mm, right? Or sorry, eight quarter ounces of silver. So two ounces. So that's like what eighty bucks, bucks an hour? Yeah, yeah. So two dollars an hour in silver is eighty bucks an hour now. So yeah, that's yeah huge. this oh they were only paid this much. Well, do the conversion and see what it actually is. That's a great right. point. Right. Uh good. Uh, I was just gonna say my, my point about the central banking is that it's time for it to end, period. Uh, yeah, there's no reason for it to exist. Well and and the other thing is other than to create empires. What mm-hmm. he's doing here is not original in that i mean it's original in that he's a libertarian but the idea of ending the central bank has been done before i mean you talked about uh, el salvador for yep. instance mm-hmm. he mentions ecuador uh in this particular video in part of the video we're not going to play for you but i'll link to it on our social media over at social.freetalklive.com on the at ftl account if you want to catch this full uh interview but he talks about like how el salvador went about the process of mm-hmm. dollarizing their economy and how uh ecuador went about the process of doing that and like you know, 
how they kind of screwed it up a little bit or whatever. He gets he gets into some of the details. But the point is, this is not the first time that such a thing has been done. El Salvador had their own central bank. They had their own uh, central currency, and that is gone now. Mm-hmm. So it can occur, and the countries that do do this are better off economically than than otherwise. Yeah, they're, so, they're, with El Salvador, and I don't know what the status is right now, uh, but it seems to me that there was a, a brief period of pain, a learning curve, if you will, mm-hmm. for them, and then it all just settled down, and now it's fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say things are fine in El Salvador, well, but I'd say well, for more El Salvador, fine than they were previously. They're economically they're better off right. than they economically, were. Economically they're better off, criminally they're better off. I mean, they're... Well, that's what I wanted to talk about next. Was what the uh the dictator in El Salvador has done over there with the criminal situation because the the question that uh, Malay is being or is going to be asked here next in this Bloomberg Uh, interview is about crime Mm -hmm. because when you have a terrible economy you have poor people and when you have Mm -hmm. poor people you have desperate people and when you have desperate people you've got people getting robbed in the streets in broad daylight Mm -hmm. okay uh i'm just uh, i'm extrapolating that i have not done research on argentina and their situation with crime but knowing how things have gone in other countries in similar circumstances venezuela for instance uh, where if you walk down the street with your phone in your hand, somebody's going to snatch it out of your hand, right? Like you, there's all kinds of daylight robberies going on in in these very very poor places. And so he does get asked this question, and I'm going to go ahead and give him uh, the opportunity to answer it here. We want to make a serious fiscal adjustment. Okay, here it comes. Let me ask you about the crime problem because it is a very important issue in the campaign in Argentina, but also in some other Latin American countries. What is your plan? To begin with, the area of security and defense will be under the supervision of Victoria Vicheruel. She's the specialist in these matters. The most important problems in Argentina, either in the economy or in terms of inflation and growth or insecurity, she will have direct influence over two ministries, the Ministry of Internal Security and the Ministry of National Defense. What we are promoting there is to change the way of looking at the problems. There is a new doctrine in terms of security, which is that he who does it pays for it. Okay, so he's going to get a little bit more into it, but that is the basic concept. It sounds like, and the interviewer just kind of moves on after this. He's got a few more sentences, which I'll play, but it sounds like he's talking about restitution here. It Mm. sounds like he's changing, he's talking about changing from a punitive system to Mm. a system of restitution. And tell me if you feel the same way after you, you know, he who does it pays for it, right? right? Normally... In the crime and punishment system that we have and most countries around the world have, mm-hmm. it's the taxpayers who pay for it, right? right? The taxpayers, he who does it, if they get caught, if that person gets caught, goes into a prison cell, that yep. then the taxpayers, including the victim mm-hmm. of that individual, are then forced to pay thirty, forty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year or whatever it is in your state to keep that person housed for X number of years. So in that case, the victim is victimized twice, first by the criminal, second by the criminal gang known as the government that forces the victim to pay for the criminal uh, and keep them alive in the cell. So let's go on. Here's what he says. What is called here Zafarinism, which reverses the position and considers that the victim is the victimizer and vice versa is over. For us, the victim is the victim and the victimizer has to pay. Criminals pay the penalties for what they do. 
That implies a reform of the internal security system or a reform of the national defense law, the intelligence law, the law that has to do with the penal code and what has to do with the prison system, in such a way that whoever does it actually pays for it. So he's talking about what sound like pretty significant criminal justice reforms here. Mm -hmm. And to me, this one topic deserves an entire interview. He doesn't get that in this particular case. It's just one quick question in in the midst of a variety of other questions. But that is something I would really love to hear him expand upon and find out what he means when he's talking about whoever does it actually pays for it. Right. That sounds like restitution to me. Uh, There's more coming up here in moments. You can join the show here on Free Talk Live. Some of you have wanted to support Free Talk Live's mission on a monthly basis, but don't want to support Patreon. Now we have an alternative that also helps our premier streaming platform, Odyssey. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join at the top of the channel. You can subscribe for $5 per month, and unlike other subscription services, Odyssey adds their processing fee on top, so it'll cost a little over $5 per month, but Free Talk Live will receive the entire amount you pledged. Higher donation tiers are available if you're feeling so inspired. You'll get a special membership badge that's visible in the Odyssey chat room, and if we get enough supporters, we may enable members-only chat. This new subscription method is a great way to decentralize our direct listener support away from just Patreon and also support a libertarian-run business, Odyssey. Please visit video.freetalklive.com and click join to subscribe to our Odyssey channel and help support spreading our message around the planet. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join today. Free Talk Live. You can join us here. Live Saturday show. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We've been talking about Argentina and the very exciting campaign by a gentleman named Javier Malay for president down there. Normally, I wouldn't describe any politician as exciting in any way, shape, or form, but this guy evokes a lot of Ron Paul. He seems to be the you know, a young Ron Paul in Argentina, and he's in his early 50s. Uh, he's a well-spoken, passionate, you described his passion earlier tonight, Captain. Yeah, a, uh, a, a very emoting speaker. Like, I, we all see politicians here in the United States, Donald Trump and Barack Obama and Biden, and they're reading from teleprompters, and you can tell they've been coached, and they have this sort of pseudo-monotone voice going on. Right, they they never speak off the cuff. They they rarely yeah they speak like politicians. There's a very very particular way of speaking. It's a little bit hypnotic, and it's particular to politicians. Yeah, and if you watch uh, Millet speak, even in a translated video, just watch his expression, watch watch the movement of his mouth, Mm -hmm. uh, and that kind of thing, and you can see he's not reading from anything. He's speaking from the heart, from the yeah. heart, or at least from his mind, right. and he's speaking with great passion. Now, I mean, it can be said that some of the the greatest crimes of states have been caused by passionate speaking fellows, and that's certainly true. But I would prefer to see somebody able to speak off the cuff, 
particularly about freedom yeah and uh, economics and, and economics than to have oh well you know i'm reading off the teleprompter and i'm pointing my thumb in your direction because my we want to say aides all- tell us that this is the least right. offensive way to point at the screen say all of the things that the polling has shown that we should say so right. we can get the most votes uh, is what politicians tend to do so i want to talk more about javier malay what yeah. he's talking about with criminal reform because he's Obviously, as you're running for president, there's a lot more problems than just the central bank. There are all kinds of issues, and uh, before crime we get is one completely of completely off of that. I just wanted to put one more thought out there that with every single country that that ends their central bank. So if we end up in a situation where there is this like global central bank digital currency system mm-hmm. that's running, every country that doesn't have a central bank is going to be a hole in that system. Yeah, that's and it's true. going to be that much more difficult to implement that level of control. So uh, before we get back into Javier Malay, I do want to talk about Dash. It is a cryptocurrency that focuses on being used for spending. Uh, Dash was something that a lot of the people in Venezuela, as I understand it, turned to because the Dash Decentralized Autonomous Organization did a lot of outreach down there. They've been focusing for years on Latin American outreach because of situations like Argentina, mm-hmm. where the central bank is devaluing the currency at such a rapid clip, it opens people's minds up to alternatives. Right now, if you go around and tell people you've got an alternative to the U.S. dollar, they're still not going to really care that much because they haven't yet really figured out that it's the culprit. In places like Argentina and Venezuela, they figured it out because in a lot of cases, you can't even, you know, you could use it for toilet paper more effectively than actually going out and buying things with it in in many cases. Uh, So in a situation where the national currency is being hyperinflated, the people are open to an unusual extent to alternatives. And that is where cryptocurrencies like Dash can come in because Dash focuses on being actually spendable. A lot mm-hmm. of cryptocurrencies, that is not their goal. They are not they do not care about being spent at all. There's some sort of techno wizardry going on. Maybe they're doing something cool, but it's not about using it for buying and selling. Dash is doing that. Uh, and they're also instant transactions, irreversible. They're protected from the dreaded 51% attack by their chain locks technology. Dash has been around for a long time. It's one of the first, I think, 15 cryptocurrencies to have ever been created. One of the OGs. Yep. It's widely available on exchanges, and it's now on the decentralized Maya protocol, which is a decentralized exchange. Uh, and it's easy to get. It's easy to use Dash. You can start by learning more at Dash.org. And thanks to the Dash DAO. For sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air, you can visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. That is Dash.org. So just before the break, we played a clip of Javier Malay, the libertarian candidate who's leading right now. He is the winner of the Argentinian presidential primary, and he is being interviewed all over the place. Uh, Bloomberg is uh, interviewing him in this particular clip where they asked him about the crime problem. It's not all about the economy. It's about you know what's going on besides that. And, of course, bad economy leads to more crime. So fixing the central bank can certainly help with that, no doubt about it. But you still have gangbangers or whoever that you got to deal with. Right. And uh, for right now, with a centralized government system, how is he going to change or propose that system be changed to become more effective? And he starts talking about whoever does it actually pays for the crime. Oh, that, what, a, what a concept. Right. That, to me, sounds like he's talking about restitution. Yeah. 
which would be a drastically different proposal than what we're seeing going on in other Central and South American countries, specifically El Salvador. Uh, It's also in the news about Honduras as well, which we can uh, talk about here in a moment. But I just played a clip for you guys during the break because I'd asked you, Captain, if you'd seen any of the video from El Salvador. This was published five or six months ago. It's published. It was actually published by the government of El Salvador by uh, Nayib Bukele, who is this sort of backwards hat wearing dictator uh, down there. He's a president, but he apparently has been planning on running for another presidential term, which would be against the Constitution. But he's going to do it anyway because he stacked the court and there's like all this, you know, kind of corruption going on down there. Um, he plays it off. He plays himself off as this like cool Bitcoin guy and he's the cool dictator guy. You want to be on his good side because if you're not, he'll send his thugs after you and do who knows what. So what they've been doing is they've been rounding up thousands and thousands and thousands of people and putting them into a prison. And you saw some of the prison in this footage. It is a brand new uh, facility designed to hold 40 thousand people that's like i I don't even know that's the population of a small city yeah for sure it is a and and by the way it's not going to be forty thousand like two to a cell okay this is going to be like 10 guys in a in a cell for four right Right. they're going to be packing them in and are packing them in like sardines into this prison so this is being touted and I don't know how familiar you are with this because you kind of made reference to some of the successes of some of these other countries like El Salvador. And this is being touted as a big success. A lot of conservative-leaning people, the tough-on-crime types. Not to say that Democrats don't do that, too. They do that as well. But you tend to hear it more from the conservative types. We're going to get tough on crime. Well, and what I think is happening is that the change in in the monetary system and and the change in the wealth of that country is what's actually doing most of the bringing down of crime. Well, that's not what he's saying. That is not what he's saying. He's saying that his draconian tyrannical maneuvers are what's really bringing down the crime because it's all gangs and by just arresting everyone who looks like they're in a gang right. we have solved the problem and what's what i think is really happening is just that people aren't so desperate that they're engaging in as much crime yeah there's I, there's people need to realize that politicians often Take credit for things that they had no do. hand in doing. They had no. They put no effort into. They spent no time on. They they put no capital towards. They put no effort into uh, at all. But man, when it's time to take credit, pff, there they are. Well, mm-hmm. I I I would love to believe what you're saying, Peakless Mountaineer, about the economic circumstances having improved over there. But keep in mind that from the time when El Salvador adopted Bitcoin as a uh, quote unquote legal tender. It has gone down in price pretty significantly. It was like you know forty, fifty thousand dollars at the time when that happened. They was bought a really? bunch of it. I it was, if mm-hmm. I recall correctly, it was somewhere in that range. And of course, it is now less than thirty thousand yeah. dollars. So at least from the government's perspective, which they did take taxpayer money and they bought thousands or something, hundreds or thousands of Bitcoin over the last you know couple of years. And so far, at least. On the price of Bitcoin, that hasn't really worked out for them. When you actually get and into I the, I expect sp- that they're still buying. Are honestly, they, they, they are. They are. are right. They pay so 
dollar or peso cost averaging? But when they do, they have the dollar there. Uh, okay. But when uh, when you go and you actually talk to the people of El Salvador and you find out, all right, what's really happening with the Bitcoin situation on there? Are businesses taking Bitcoin? Is anyone spending? Are you using Bitcoin? And you can actually go and talk to people and and at least. From the limited amount of media that I've seen on this particular topic, it doesn't appear that this has taken off in any way, shape, or form. So I don't think that you can say, and I don't know if this is oh, what, what you were what, saying. Oh, what I'm saying is that this has generated an enormous amount of buzz in yep. a very wealthy community of people who love Bitcoin. And so they're visiting. They have, they're, exactly, true. exactly. So I think this has cranked up the tourism. I think that's so you true. have a tremendous amount of money uh, moving from not only the United States but around the world of the sure. very rich uh, uh, Bitcoin billionaires moving there, putting their money into Argentina, spending it uh, as any tourist would, and that has put so much wealth into the country that even though it hasn't really changed how the ordinary person is doing their uh, their moves, it's put so much money into it that it's made people much less desperate. I hope that is true. Um, if you are down there and you've got you know actual insight into this issue, we'd love to hear from you at 603-283-6160. Well, it certainly has created economic opportunity for entrepreneurial-spirited people. In tourist mm-hmm. areas, yes. maybe. Yes. Yeah. That didn't exist before. But Well, look, in tourist areas, there's also uh, certain uh, financial uh, things that are available because the country is embracing bitcoin there's some new investments can, yeah right so you so you have like a uh, a country backed uh, loan essentially that you are giving them in bitcoin that is a yep. completely new they're going to build that bitcoin city and have bitcoin mining through volcano power or there's this big project and i wouldn't give them a dime because you're voluntarily giving your money to the government and right. this is not a good government and this is the point i wanted to make here even though there may be more tourists coming in even though there may be more tourist money coming in and that may be helping some people in El Salvador, they haven't ended the war on drugs. And those tourists, they want to buy drugs too, just like a lot of people want to buy drugs. And because they haven't ended the war on drugs, that still gives the gang something to do. Mm -hmm. It gives them a product to push, and the gangs are going to do the way they always do with drugs. They're going to fight. They're going to kill each other, and innocent people are going to get caught in the crossfire. Yeah. Um, so that's that has not stopped. Right. And so, of course, that gives him, him being Bukele, the president of the country, the uh, the reason to crack down in this mega factor where they're literally just rounding people up on the accusation, as you pointed out, uh, Peakless, on the simple accusation that you are in a gang. And, Captain, you got a bald head, and that may be enough to accuse you of being you, in a I? gang. If you look like you're in a gang, yeah. that's enough for these people. If somebody says something about you being in a gang in an anonymous tip, that in many cases has been enough for the country's goon squads to come in, round you up, Sounds take like you red away. Sounds like flag loss. It's, except it's your body that they're sure, taking yeah. away. Mm. Uh, they take you into this prison, and you saw the imagery, right? Like these, there are thousands of guys who looks apart, right? Like these look like gangbangers, okay? I get I get the point. They look that way. They got like full on body tattoos, their heads are tattooed. Like these are some scary mofos. Imagine you just got accused by your old tenant or, you know, your ex-girlfriend or whatever, ex-wife of of being in a gang. Mm-hmm. And then the cops just come and they grab you up and they take you into this prison. And by the way, you don't get a trial. They've suspended constitutional rights for these people. So you're just going to go away until question mark. 
and they're going to just hold you there. So outside of the process of all of this, how is that different than any other government? Well, at least in the United States, you have the purported right to face your accuser. You have the right to a trial. We know the trials are stacked and we know the system is terrible, but at least you'll see the light of day in some way, shape, or form. People have been disappeared by all sorts of of organizations sent into faraway places and, and whatever. So what? You're upset at their lack of marketing for their government? Well, actually, their marketing here is doing very well for them, at least amongst the conservatives, because the crime, uh, you know, punishment, uh, harsh it up kind of conservative types, they are salivating over these videos of seeing these these men being abused in these uh, these camps, these prisons, because they want that to happen here in the United States. They want people to be rounded up, thrown into prison, screw the trial, send them to the execution chamber because some government guy said they did a thing. And that's basically, without the execution chamber part, in El Salvador, that is what is going on. They are just rounding people up wholesale by the thousands. You are lucky if you are ever seeing the light of day again after this. There are some stories of people who managed to hire enough lawyers to get their their loved one out of jail because they were wrongfully sure. accused. But some people can't get They don't even know where their, their dad is. You know, maybe maybe dad was involved in a gang. When he was a teenager, he reformed his ways and, you know, started a family and started being a responsible member of society. Well, because he was involved, he still knows people and we got to take him. Right. So the problem then is that they've switched marketing campaigns from we're uh, good people and you have rights to we will keep you safe. Well, they're not keeping you safe if you're accused of being in a gang. They weren't weren't (laughs) respecting my rights either. They're a government. No That's what they do, is violate human rights. Are you saying this is a better approach? No, I'm saying it's a lateral move. Like, every government does nonsense like There's way more people being locked like up this. right now. I wouldn't call that a lateral move. This, way, is a, way more a, people, this is way more aggression. Way more people than prior... Than previously. In, in this country? Like in in, in, in uh, El Salvador. In El Salvador? And so... How, That's what, what he's bragging about. I mean, the president is going out there and bragging and saying, sure. I'm the one cleaning up the streets. Look at what I'm doing. He's making these, like, Hollywood-level edited videos. You didn't get to see that here. This was a news report just because yeah. I had to look quickly. But if you were to find his post from six months ago on Twitter, he has his own Twitter account. He goes off on various different things. Sometimes he's entertaining uh, when he's talking about Bitcoin. But when he's talking about this, it's just absolutely terrifying. So you wish they'd go back to pretending to respect human rights? No, I would like to see maybe what something like Javier Malay is is talking about here, where the criminals are actually required to pay compensation to their victims to Mm. make things right. If they broke a thing, fix the thing and then give them some money on top of that. If you hurt somebody, you got to pay their hospital bills and then pay for the the difficulties that their families went through and whatever. And if you're in jail, you got to pay to keep yourself there, that kind of Mm. thing, like to to actually hold these people accountable for their actions and at the same time end the war on drugs, of course, because if you end the prohibition, then you take the, the the primary product that these gangs are trafficking and you make it legal. And then anybody can go to the OXO or whatever and buy themselves some uh, marijuana or some cocaine. I'm curious as to the incarceration rate uh, of El Salvador versus the incarceration rate of the United States. Like, I don't know it. Like, is, oh, we got them beat. Is Well, I, I assume so because the United States has been incarcerating people at a 
a rate uh, that mm-hmm. I mean has been unrivaled in all of history. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, literally, prisons are continuously being built, and more and more people are getting tossed into prison for reasons question mark uh, nonviolent crimes, uh, which creates a, a slave class in the prisons. And it sounds to me like El Salvador is taking a page from the, the U.S. US playbook mm-hmm. and yeah, amping but, it up. It's yeah. definitely amped up here for sure. Yeah, they, they've they taken – so there's something that America has, to my knowledge, always done wrong uh, in terms of justice. So an an effective system of actually acquiring justice would, would require that, hey, if I accuse you of something that you're innocent of – I get punished for making the accusation. Right. Mm, I am harming you. I am destroying your life. I am putting you in jeopardy. I have acted against you. I need to be punished for making that accusation. I mean, this is not a new concept. This has been done for thousands of years and somehow is, has managed to be absent from our system. They're taking that same uh, violation and expanding it. So not only does the accuser not get not face any penalties but we will just assume that you are right because you made the accusation Mm -hmm. so we will automatically punish the person as if they are guilty of what you've accused uh there's news in relation to this from honduras because apparently they saw what el salvador did and said "Ooh, me too and decided to do the same exact thing we'll share that with you but first we go to the phones here caller you're on free talk live go ahead hello anonymous caller on the line you're on the air. Yes. Uh, uh, Ian, I'm right here. Yes, um, you are. Okay, it did a, it, the beep sounded different than usual. I usually did that. Sh- anyway, let's get on with the call. Let's do it, yeah. Um, I, um, I've been listening to you for a long time. This is Bobby from Florida. Um, hey, Bobby. I was wondering, before we get to our uh, – uh, do you have that website where Aria has to for her um, – for the letters and for the um, – uh, and for the commentary? Sure. You're referring to our co-host, Arya Demetso, who is currently in prison uh, in the United States in what they call a prison camp. Speaking of which. Uh, in the federal system in Massachusetts, she is, uh, is now coming up on not quite seven or eight weeks, but getting close, almost two months. Uh, in one week, it'll be two months for her in there. And a 18-month sentence. And she would love to receive letters from you or anybody else who's listening. You can go to her website, ariademetso.com. That's A-R-I-A-D-I-M-E-Z-Z-O dot com. I'm told the information is also at thecrypto6.com, but I have not verified that personally. Uh, it's definitely up at ariademezzo.com. There's an address there. That's where I got it from. So. Yeah, there's information about how to contribute to her uh, commissary account, should you wish to do that as well. How to write her letter, send yes. her a book, you know, that kind of stuff. Yep, and she has been getting uh, donations and books and uh, she's doing as well as can be in there, unfortunately, due to, I don't even know how to explain it. She's not in the in a place where she feels like she wants to call into the show to talk about uh, what's been happening. She doesn't want to put herself in any more you know, potential jeopardy from yeah. the Bureau of Prisons, uh, who are, are her captors. And uh, But that said, she is communicating on a regular basis. Uh, Bonnie and I typically get emails from her every day or every other day. But Amazing. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I got that down now. Also, you know, um, I just uh, I've loved this show, especially you know the past ten years and the free the freeness of being able to call and say whatever we want. And over the years, you know, you've uh, taught me a lot of things, and and you know, it's really amazing to see somebody that's true to you know what they believe. You know, um, there's not very many people out there that are like that and watching a lot. You see a lot of these like rappers and they're fake rappers, but every now and then there's a real one. 
You know, and there's a lot of people that talk the game and they don't do it. But Ian proved that no matter thick or thin, whatever you want to think about all the drama, that's that's that that's respect, brother. And so that's cool, man. I like that. Um, Thank also, you for that, Bobby. Um, but I was, yeah. And, what else? You know, they, they, the government intrusion we were talking about a little bit earlier, they, they, they have gotten so bad. So, like, when I, you know, when I was wanting to get on my feet a little bit, I had a buddy and his grandpa had a zero-turn mower. And um, uh, anyway, so I had the idea, you know, let's let's just start a little, you know, mowing business. We'll get some, get started, and we can get some, you know, better stuff. And so we started doing that around the neighborhood. And you know, they had you know professional guys that did it, you know, you know, crews and stuff. But mm. we were coming and asking how they're paying to do it, and then we we're cutting everything in half. And, and how old were you when you did this? I'm sorry. I'm um, about 22, 23. 22. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and we got up to about five or six lawns. You know, we weren't making a whole lot, but we were bringing in, you know, a few hundreds here, you know, and uh, okay. it was just starting to pick up. And we were actually taking over. But um, one day we were out working and then this uh, it was an SUV uh, county code enforcers came out and they pulled us out and uh, they had all this write up and they had all kinds of, uh, I don't know, legal work. And they said that we had to stop and cease. Um, uh, Good uh, Lord. You need a license and, yeah. to cut somebody's lawn. Yeah, ridiculous. I mean, yeah, yeah. The free uh, state of Florida. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and God. you know, I don't know. You think? I think you know one of those guys. You know those companies. They probably knew that we were cutting in on their business. Uh, you better believe they did. They found yeah. out. They they lost a client. What what happened was they lost a client to you, and they called that client. And they said, "What what do we do? What can we do to get your business back?" And they're like, "Well, these kids are charging me half of what you guys were. I don't think you can get my business back." And they said, "Oh yeah," and they called the the code enforcement, the thugs. Right. Yes. So instead Another of what happened, we we start we started a bait business. So we were getting shiners, and we weren't doing anything wrong, catching what we could, and we set up you know um, tubs of uh, you know to filter them and everything, and we we're selling bait shiners. You know, doing everything we could. We're out in the woods. We got lake and stuff, and mm-hmm. so we were selling the shiners. Well, I don't know. We had signs up and stuff. We were doing good for about two months, and not much long after, we started cutting into. There was another bait shop on the other side of the lake, you know, um, but we weren't trying to compete with them. But uh, you know, I guess they knew people were coming over there and getting the the, the bait with us. And no longer than I don't know, two months, uh, Florida Wildlife came out there and they're going on and everything. Yeah, this is the same state, by the way, with uh, Ron DeSantis, who is the governor, who cracked down on people who went down there after the hurricane devastated Fort Myers, who wanted to help and put people's homes back together. But if they didn't have a Florida license, they faced arrest just for trying to help people out. Thanks for the call, Bobby. We got more coming up. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. You can join the show here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here tonight, it's Ian. People is not there. And the Reverend Captain Kickass. We've been talking about some uh, international news, uh, mostly about Javier Malay, the libertarian candidate who surprisingly won the Argentinian presidential primary last weekend and now may be on track to potentially win the presidency in a couple of months if all goes well. I just, I just want to stop you there because I've been thinking about this all break. And I don't want to lose the thought because yeah. I do that. Um, 
we were talking about uh, businesses and then we were talking about individuals, uh, you know, potentially like calling police on somebody mm-hmm. or uh, in the case uh, we were talking about a business where somebody undercut a guy. And so they're, they lost a client and that client called the authorities. And this happened of, to one of our listeners in Florida. Right. Sort of sicked them upon them. So mm-hmm. what's happening there is uh, you're outsourcing violence. You, you are being violent, and it's important, I think, to point this out to people because I think a lot of people miss this point. Mm-hmm. When you call the cops on somebody else for doing something that you don't like, even though they haven't harmed anybody. Something peaceful. Some, yeah. if, if they haven't harmed anybody or caused any property damage, and you call the police or you call the government or you get government involved in some way, you are being violent. You're just outsourcing that to a third party. Yeah, you're having some thugs do your bidding. Right. You don't think you're being violent because you're like, well, I didn't raise a fist or I didn't point a gun or... I'm just calling in the authorities to make things the way they should be. Right. So this goes for individuals, whether it's like a like a family court situation where some family sees, you know, some parents, you know, treating a kid in some way that they don't find favorable uh, and they call, you know, child protection services or jilted lover or something along those lines mm-hmm. uh, or uh, even within the corporate world. Right. Because we know uh, within the United States, corporations are created by government. They're they're legal fiction. Right. So they have to follow the rules which government creates for them. And so if that corporation decides to get authorities involved when they're trying to compete with another corporation, they themselves are being violent and they're just outsourcing their violence to the third party, which in this case is government. Oh, I'm going to play uh, devil's advocate. I'm going to play the, uh, the person who's making the phone call, the business who is feeling as though they are being taken advantage of here. Yeah. So the way they might be feeling is, well, look, these violent people were going to hurt me unless I got their permission slip. So I got their permission slip years ago. I've been in business. I'm an honest businessman. And now these kids come in here and they start cutting people's lawns without asking for their permission slip. So they're able to undercut my prices because they didn't have all the overhead of having to jump through all the government hoops or whatever. So look, I just want an even playing field. That's the reason why I had to call these people, because if I was abused by the system, these guys should be abused by the system too. Yeah, well, abusers then turn into the abusers, or the abused turn it's, into the abusers. Yeah, it's the identical argument of, well, my dad beat the crap out of me, so I'm going to beat the crap out of you too. Yep, this is how I learned, son, so <laughs> I'm sorry, but you're welcome. Right? right? You know, here's a beating, you know? <laughs> Like no, Pretty that's much. that's that's not how you that's not how you bring about change. That's not how you bring about peaceful interaction, voluntary cooperation. Uh, you do not use violence to get your way. Well, isn't it interesting that so many of these conservatives, who on one hand claim that they believe in free markets, also actually believe you you know you judge somebody based on their actions, not what they say, right? Well, what their action is, is they want to use the violence of the state to crack down on businesses they don't agree with, like drug dealing, for instance. And so that's why we have all these conservative types that are just salivating in love with what's going on in El Salvador. I mean, there's just real quick, I was trying to find the uh, Bukele video, which is near to impossible because the guy tweets probably more more often than uh, (laughs) Donald Trump. But, you know, so to actually go back in time six months and find him posting the original propaganda video of 
the thousands of quote unquote gang members, accused gang members who don't even get a day in court and no semblance to any kind of due process whatsoever and just locking them up. And the first thing that comes up when I search for his name is some chick, uh, Kingsley Cortez, who is apparently appearing on the Timcast show, very conservative-leaning kind of uh, internet program, where she says, El Salvador's president, Nayib Bukele, is a hero! Law and order! She writes in all caps. So the conservatives really love it when people get arrested with no semblance of any kind of due process, with no respecting of any kind of right to uh, public appearance or uh, you know being able to talk to your accuser. And now they're bringing this program over to Honduras, which we'll talk about in a moment. But first, we have Tom on the line in New Hampshire. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, it's about Trump's indictment in Georgia here. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is, some people may be wondering, wait a second, wasn't he calling from the White House? which is nowhere near Georgia. And there's a principle of law going on. Uh, Pretty much uh, you are prosecuted and you're under the laws of wherever you cause something to happen. For instance, if you pick up a phone and call in a bomb threat, you're breaking the laws of the place where the building had to get evacuated and the uh, people got scared. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's wherever the effect of it is. Except uh, crimes committed on an international flight, for example, it's wherever the plane lands, that's where they prosecute you under the laws of wherever that is. Those lines on the map mean a lot to bureaucrats, but uh, you're trying to, the the indictment is that he is trying to uh, get uh, something done by the Georgia Secretary of State, trying to get the Georgia Secretary of State to falsify uh, these documents, uh, falsify the election returns. And uh, so that's a violation of Georgia law. And it's kind of hilarious where they're prosecuting him under Georgia's uh, Racketeer Influence Corrupt Organizations Act. That Georgia has a very strict law on dealing with corrupt organizations when the state of Georgia itself uh, has been accepting bribes from the federal government for decades. We'll give you more federal highway construction money if you commit an unforgivable hate crime against people under 21 than if you do not. Right. I mean, the right. drinking age is a calculated, premeditated, malicious attack on the fundamental rights and basic human dignity of innocent, responsible alcohol drinkers younger than 21. Sure. Uh, yeah. And it, they're, they're getting bribed by the federal government to commit this attack on people's rights, and they're accepting the bribes openly, and then they have the nerve to pass this uh, Racketeer Influence Corrupt Organizations Act. Well, yeah, all except for their own corrupt organization. Thank you for the call tonight, Tom. I appreciate it. Well, and I see a common thread between those. This is this is not a question about what is right, what is wrong. This is not a question about using violence. This is not a question about corruption. This is a question about competition. The fact of the matter is that conservatives have fully accepted that there be one gang. They're okay with mm-hmm. there being one gang that gets to do as much evil as it wants, well, as long as, as they're much running violence it. as it wants. I mean, they'd prefer to run yeah, it, yeah. but I mean, if you ask most conservatives, I mean, they'd rather there be a government under their enemies than no government at all. Yeah, they probably would say that. Right. Yeah. So the problem is not with, with justice. It's not with corruption. It's competition. 
these conservatives are very, very much against competition, and especially competition in violence. So what a gang is doing is they are competing with the monopoly on right. violence. That's what gangs do. And what you see happening to Donald Trump in uh, Georgia is they're saying, you can't compete with us on corruption. Mm. We have a system of corruption. You are not allowed to do a different one. You're not allowed to compete with us on this corruption. And, I mean, it makes sense because if you if you look at all of the things he's been charged with, it always has everything to do with maintaining the system of corruption as it stands. Like, what did he get charged with the first time? I think it was the first time. Was, oh, well, you cut into our corruption with Ukraine. You said you weren't going to give them all this money. Now, he did give them all this money and he didn't get what he wanted, but he threatened to slow down the bribery system. Well, we can't have that happen, so we're going to drag you into court over that. I mean, that's how how all of our all of our uh, campaign contributions are getting paid out. I thought the first thing was uh, the payouts to the porn girl. The porn oh, was star. that one first? I think that was first. That was New York, mm. and then there was two federal indictments for other things that I I haven't been even following it that yeah, closely, honestly. Uh, but if you want to comment, well, and, you're welcome to. And okay, so that right there is. Hey, you are not in the club. You're not no, maintaining no. the decorum of the office. They, they are and out by to get him. Failing to maintain the decorum of the office, you're threatening the whole scam. <laughs> I, if I people if people don't believe that presidents are better than them, mm-hmm. then they'll realize that we're human. I, I'm not defending Donald Trump in any way. What I want to say is play stupid games, win stupid prizes. True. Donald Trump chose to play the stupid game, which is to become a politician, uh, and now he's winning the stupid prizes. So to come back to what you were saying about the gangs and how the federal government or state government, whatever government gang we're talking about, because there are different levels of this uh, multi-tiered gang system, but uh, they are the one true gang over any given geographic territory calling itself the United States, and so any other gang is a competitor, a potential competitor, even though they have essentially, by making products like drugs illegal, have carved out an um, exclusive marketplace mm-hmm. for those gangs to uh, to operate. They do want to stop them because, well, prison system, I guess. I guess. Well, and, it, and that's it the looks thing. good for them to do it. That That's exactly the difference there is that, OK, so for a government gang all of their money from drugs is coming from the pharmaceutical corporations Mm -hmm. and those pharmaceutical corporations pay quite a pretty penny to make sure that they have as little competition as possible right so all of these things that might make you feel better or alleviate your symptoms or any of that no no no. cut those down chop those right they might cure you in some cases they might even cure you do you realize the kind of money we would be losing at pfizer if you were cured yep that's a great point. Yeah, the uh, the heavily regulated medical industry is not a healthcare system. It is a disease management system that does not want to cure you. It wants to create subscribers. I think you make a really good point that the war on drugs, some drugs, the criminalized mm, ones, right. is essentially to backstop the pharmaceutical industrial complex and, right. and support yeah, them. And, and that's the thing. You just have two different gangs of different sizes, I'll grant you, mm-hmm. with different policies on drugs. So the big gang says they will get their money from the big drugs and will not allow competition with those big drug systems. The small gang says we will allow and even facilitate you 
acquiring these other drugs that are not through the big drug system. Mm-hmm. And take significant risk. And of course, on the other side, the uh, the government gets to benefit in a couple of other ways from this war on drugs and this ensuing crackdowns as we're seeing in el salvador and honduras which are are going to the extreme and conservatives are salivating over it it is uh it's a big pr stunt for them to go hard against these drug drug people uh to crack down and to make mass arrests and to make massively violent arrests and treat these people poorly this is a big pr thing for them they're getting a lot of pr mileage out of this so that's something else and it gives them the excuse to crack down on everyone, as you're going to hear about in Honduras. So let me jump in from the Daily Star. Their government recently announced a grisly gang crackdown following the slaughter of 46 women prisoners by street gangs last week. The nation's armed forces has announced the initiation of, quote, Operation Faith and Hope in order to, quote, regain control of the prisons, because that's how uh, wild things are in some of these I'm confused as to how gang members slaughtered 46 prisoners. They are running the prisons. Okay. Yeah, it has gotten to that point in some of these countries where the gangs have fully taken so, over so operations. So it was other inmates, mm-hmm. arguably, that, that slaughtered the 46 people. And there's a good right. chance there weren't any corrections officers around. They like In some of these countries, I, they've surrounded the prison with the military, but the prison itself is being operated by the gangs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I presume that's what's going on there, too. Military police have now taken charge of Honduras, uh, Honduras prisons as they posted snaps in one prison of naked inmates sitting in rows, legs akimbo, during a raid to seize contraband. Quote, operations will continue in other penal centers, the army revealed on Twitter. The nation hopes to hamper the flow of drugs and weapons, making it into the lockups and stop brutal gang murders in their tracks. So we always talk here about the U.S. prisons and how it is that Mm -hmm. they can't keep drugs out of the U.S. prisons. Well, same thing's true in every other prison probably in the whole world, and here it's true in Honduras where the drugs are in the very prisons where they're putting the drug dealers in. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Well, at least we're going to get a a counterfactual on this then. What does that mean? So your... you seem to be putting forward the idea that the crime is going down because of the tyrannical movements against it, and I'm putting I'm forward not the. Saying that. Oh, okay. Well, That's what they're saying. All right. Well, they're saying that the it's the tyranny of uh, that they do against this. That well, at least it gets results. Now, I'm saying it's because you actually have a bunch of money flowing in, so people aren't as desperate. So here That's we not have happening a, in Honduras, right? We have a perfect counterfactual here. Mm. What happens if you have the same level of tyranny, but you don't increase people's living standards? Standards. And I'll bet you it's not going to result in a 90% decrease in crime and murders. Mm. In response to another mass shooting recently, which saw 11 people killed at a pool hall in Honduras' capital, President Xiomara Castro announced a wave of security measures to quash drug-related violence. Officials, by the way, the measures will not include legalizing drugs. Okay, just I'm just going to go out on a limb. That's not one of the measures. Officials believe the shooting may be revenge for last week's gang-related massacre, which is the worst atrocity at a women's prison in recent memory. A vicious riot reportedly broke out between rivals of Mara Salvatrucha, known as MS-13, and Barrio 18, at a prison in Tamara, which saw 26 women burned alive and the rest shot or stabbed to death. 
In December, President Castro announced a state of emergency to address the gang's turf wars, but it failed to stop the brutal criminals. Now, she has reverted 21 of the 26 prisons to the Military Police of Public Order, the PMOP, in an attempt to suppress organized crime. Harsh tactics made famous by El Salvador's President Nayib Bukele in its gang crackdown beginning in March of last year look as if they're now being employed in Honduran prisons, with the imagery being identical. They got photos here of the bunch of prisoners, dozens of them, basically stacked up. Uh, literally with their legs sort of spread out in front of them and another prisoner right in front of them uh, and, and so yeah. on and so on and so on, hands behind their heads, the whole kind of thing that you saw in this El Salvador video. Uh, these include the movement of naked, uh, half-naked inmates with their heads bowed on the backs of the men in front of them. She has also implemented curfews because, again, it is all of the people who must suffer underneath a police state. Yeah. And this is what the conservatives want for you and some of the liberals want this as well. I don't want to. I don't want to leave them out. They still mm. talk about being tough on crime, and they still love their oh, yeah. war on drugs. I mean, Biden came to power on that message of being Absolutely. tough on crime in those urban jungles. He had the crime bill or whatever it was called back mm-hmm. in the 1990s. Yeah. And I'd like to point out here just the utter emptiness of the conservative message. So now. If what you have, okay, you have this problem of people who are getting on, say, heroin, for example. Okay, yeah, that's a problem. They are ruining their lives. They're making things difficult for the people that care about them. Okay, so we actually have experimental data on this. So there, there was the original experiment was like, okay, well, we'll give the rats uh, water or drug water, Mm -hmm. and of course, it goes about like you would expect it. They take the drug water until they're dead. They die. But then someone went, well. But, I mean, they're in a cell, for mm-hmm. crying out loud. They're alone and miserable. Right. I'd be doing drugs, too. What if I give them an environment where they're happy? And wouldn't you know it? So they gave What was the- it called? Like Rat Park or yeah. Rat Paradise or yeah. something yeah. like that? Yeah. So so they gave these rats a, a, a beautiful place, plenty of room to run around, lots right. of other uh, rats to hang out with and copulate with and just have a nice little Fun rat things life. things to do, like you know, yeah. wheels and things yeah, like things that. Yeah, things to chew on yeah. and play with and all that sort Mini of thing. Golf. Just right. a rat paradise. And they gave them the same option of, do you want to have the drug water or the regular water? And what would happen is they'd try the drug water at some point. And then go back to the regular water Mm -hmm. and just keep doing regular water. Yeah, it's one of the most interesting studies. Right. So what does this tell us? That, hey, maybe those people who are addicted to these drugs are addicted because their lives aren't going so well. Absolutely. So maybe if you had something that you could offer them so that their lives wouldn't be utterly ruinous, then we could get them off of drugs. But the conservatives have nothing to offer them. They don't have a world where they can be happy and fulfilled. What they have is punishments and it's never worked yeah. and that's and that's part of why it pisses me off to be called far right or right wing no mm-hmm. we are libertarian we are in a completely other direction we have a life that is worthwhile that we can offer and do believe in and Beautiful. It, it's worth mentioning too that it, the environment created by government for human beings is likely responsible for a large portion of what's known as the mental health crisis. Just yeah. because just because you mm-hmm. accept your oppression doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Right. Right? Free-range slavery is slavery nonetheless. Imagine uh, having to live under what uh, the president is implementing, curfews between 9 p.m. and 4 a.m. in the Choloma area, as well as, quote, raids 
captures and checkpoints 24 hours a day. Imagine having to stay home at night, no going out. Oh, you want to see that comedy act coming up at the club? Nope, sorry, you can't do that unless it's before 9 p.m. This is what they wanted during COVID. Mm. Yeah. This is what what we almost had. We came, we were inches away from this, including martial law. And now they have it based on drugs. Throughout the world. Yeah. Like, not just here, throughout the world. And, and look at the studies that have been done uh, when COVID kicked in and the mental health crises that people suffered and the amounts of suicides that went through the roof. Yeah. Uh, and, and to your point earlier, like, I swear, every single week I hear these articles about some terrible, awful thing that they're doing in public schools. Mm-hmm. And frankly, if I was to design a system to drive people insane... That is exactly how I would decide it. Mm-hmm. Like, that is what I would make to make people broken and miserable and eventually lash out or destroy their own lives. So maybe let's stop doing that. Yeah, I saw a, a nice uh, chart in an article recently about uh, the suicides of grade school-aged children. Sure. Uh, and uh, wouldn't you know, when school's out... Oh, that number just drops a whole large good bit. Yeah. And then and then once school's in, oh, that number goes back up for the duration of the school year. Mm-hmm. I had it before, and I don't know where it went. Oh, here it is. U.S. suicides hit an all-time high last year. Yeah. All-time. So yeah. that's coming out of the COVID lockdowns, you better believe. Yeah, well, and, and as combine the, that with the inflation and the economic circumstances. As the empire grows, so does the depression. Right. Uh, we're going to continue here. The number, if you want to join the show, it's 603-283-6160. You want to talk about depressed, staying home, being forced to stay home, having to go through checkpoints all day long when you're just trying to go to work or trying to go out and you know hang out with your friends. I would this never is, happen here, Ian. This is an institution. This is institutionalization. This is a open-air prison or a prison planet, as uh, Alex Jones would have said in the past. By the way, uh, the InfoWars people are saying that there's some TSA agents who are claiming that there may be COVID restrictions coming back uh, later this year. Who knows whether that's true, but more coming up. you want we got time for you the number is 603-283-6160 that's 603-283-6160 and if we don't get to you tonight well the night ain't over yet 10 30 eastern time we took a quick half hour break at the end of uh, this radio show and then we transition over to beard talk live hosted by these two guys uh peakless mountaineer and captain kickass they will be back at 10 30 eastern tonight so be sure you tune into that you can go to watch.freetalklive.com and you can watch and or listen through odyssey which is our prime video uh streaming platform we're on like i don't know 10 other video streaming platforms out there. There's one in russia actually two in russia one in japan and then a few others you can go to video lrn.fm and you get the full list of them there if you don't like odyssey for some reason but i think odyssey is great so Me check too. it out at watch.freetalklive.com but yeah we, you guys have open phones on beard talk we live do. and we no and no fcc to get in the way of expression we do have a special message for the fcc mm-hmm. every night right every night that you can only give during beard talk live right it's a fact uh let's go to your phone calls and thoughts here we have dana on the line in michigan listening to wtkg go ahead dana okay so guys captain i'm gonna leave you out of this particular 
conversation because I didn't hear anything from you, but this is for you, Ian, and um, and um, PCLIS. So here's the thing. Um, for six weeks in a row, this is about um, the topic before break about um, lockdowns and drug use and blah, blah, blah. So mm -hmm. here's the thing, though. For six weeks in a row, six Saturdays, you guys have brought up conservatives, bashed them, made statements that are, I don't know what people are IDing themselves as conservatives that you guys know, or you're just making things up out of whole cloth because you keep bashing and bashing them, and most of what you're saying, in fact, is not true. Pick one. Or maybe. Pick or one maybe thing that's not true. Or maybe anecdotal. Pick and one thing. Let's what, talk about it. Okay, and I will, Ian, but let me just finish this one sentence. So two things are going to happen. One, if you're an introduction, if you're the only libertarian show or libertarian that someone runs into physically or hears you on the radio because you're, you know, on stations all across country. Mm -hmm. So this is going to leave a really bad taste in their mouth. Number two, we're just telling anybody, the truth as we see it. So please, let's no, before no, you get it, to number two, let's focus on the thing you started by saying, which is that we're giving misinformation. Huh? And you're going to hang up, and we're never going to get to number two. I'm not going to hang up necessarily two, if it's an interesting conversation. I want to hear two, from you. You better watch what side of the line you're putting your foot on, because I'm going to tell you Sounds those like people on the left, not the blue dog Democrats. But those on the left, those progressives, they are Marxists. Madam, and I said I, specifically tonight that the uh, the Democrats and the leftists also push the war on drugs. You did. You yeah. did. Yeah. You so, the so I mean, it, it's it's no, it's fair for you. Hold that, on. Hold yeah. on. Hold on. You've said a lot of things. I haven't had a chance to say anything. Let me just let me explain why we go after currently the the right of the political spectrum. So. At the moment, there is no one who is mistaking the left of the political spectrum for libertarians. Now, 20 years ago, that wasn't the case. 20 years ago, the, you could have mistaken the uh, the anarchist the or voluntarist left. or what yeah. have you. Like, you could have mistaken us for the left because we were so darned anti-war, and at the time, so was so was the left. Sure, we've been called communists on this very show by right. callers. Right, right. I right, mean, to, like it. tonight, uh, Javier Mele gets uh, gets called a far right presidential candidate when he's very clearly a libertarian presidential candidate. So that's why it is so important for us to distinguish the difference between conservative and libertarian is because right now we are being mistaken for each other. But it's the tone that irritates me the most. It's almost like when you say the c word, conservative. It's like the, the drool is dripping. Well, you from, know what irritates me can, is when conservatives are advocating for putting peaceful people behind bars for doing peaceful things. That really upsets me, and I okay, think they should stop. So, Okay, uh, regarding the drug thing, you can do what you want in the privacy of your home, hotel, trailer park, whatever. I got a problem. You see, we've got rights. The Constitution says we've got rights. As long as your rights don't impinge on mine. And when your crazy self, not you specifically, Ian, but when these 
someone puts themselves in a car or does something stupid and then it puts me in danger, I got a problem with that. Mm. Well, you're being very rational in this particular case, Dana, and I agree with you. If somebody is putting you in danger, then that is absolutely something that needs to be stopped, right? Like if there's somebody who's, right. you know, putting is if they're breaking into your home, if they're driving a car while they're drunk or whatever, I think everyone would agree those are dangerous acts and something ought to be done about them, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the conservatives and the leftists who both agree that there should be a full-on war on drugs. In fact, uh, the uh, Ron DeSantis character was just in the news in some, I don't know, town hall or wherever, where he was talking about murdering the people who are trying to bring fentanyl over the border and just leaving them there in the dirt uh, to die. So we're not even just talking about uh, loss of you know uh, well, due process or whatever. We're talking about just straight-up so, murder. Okay, so it's okay for them to lace all the different drugs that you think are pure, like back in the 60s, before my time, your time, when pot was, was, was clean, that there was a belief anything that grew from the ground is okay. But they're Not with the conservatives, there's not. They've been, uh, they've been prosecuting a war on marijuana for decades. I know, I know, I know, and I understand that. But now they're lacing it. They're putting it no, they're in not. everything. There's no laced marijuana out there. Murder. It's a myth. No, it, actually, it's not. And that's Have you ever bought any? Academic. You know, the most effective and way no. of avoiding laced drugs is to legalize no. them so they can be right. tested. Right. This is another well, point. And, and the, the fact and that people are all like, crazy about fentanyl means they're missing the point because fentanyl would not be a thing if it were not for the war on drugs, preventing people from just going down to the Walgreens and getting themselves a bottle full of heroin like they used to be able to do a hundred something years ago. You could be a 10 year old kid, walk into the nearest drug mart and walk out out with a huge bottle of heroin for 10 cents and no one would bat an eye at it and i understand that but then well then you're different from most conservatives if you understand that dana finish let me finish that sentence i understand that ian but now you're bringing the government back in because they're going to regulate it and no i'm not tax it I am not bringing the government back in. How is the government going to not take? Here's the thing, guys. I want you to seriously Do you think, think, Dana? This is not, let me finish. This is you not never one finish. of my regular calls. This is, no, you guys have the floor for three hours. Let we have to ask you questions. Please. If you're going to keep on talking and talking, we have to stop you and ask you Please. questions about the things that are Please. coming out of your mouth. Okay, what we need to do is we need to have a kumbaya moment. We need to hold hands because it's not you vis-a-vis the conservatives vis-a-vis the liberals. There are no liberals. There are no more blue dog Democrats because they eat their own. And there's a gazillion examples of that. We need to start holding hands and find out what we're, we have in common than these differences. And like people like I don't Scooter, disagree with you, you Dana, and I'm happy to up. work on, I'm going to put you on hold here. I'm happy to work with conservatives on the area in which I agree with them. And I'm happy to work with liberals on the areas in which I agree with them. And there are some areas in which we agree with both of these groups of people. But so far, when I've brought up what are the standard conservative talking points about the war on drugs specifically, 
you have been relatively reasonable in your response. Like, oh, yeah, well, we should have this and that. And, oh, that's okay. Well, legalization of marijuana. And, but they want a full-on war on drugs. They believe that a crackdown is going to be uh, effective, even though, as we've pointed out, the cracking down is what brought about crack cocaine. The cracking down is what brought about fentanyl. The cracking down is what brought about methamphetamine. I mean, the, all of the most dangerous concentrations of drugs out there have come about because of drug prohibition. And very few conservatives understand this. And I can point, you can, all you have to do is point to their, uh, the people that are running in conservative elections, right? Like the, the primary people right now for the U.S. presidential primary. Almost all of them, or a good chunk of them, are talking about going to actual war with Mexican drug cartels. Dana, do you support that? Um, I, I, I would like to see, um, I don't want people bringing that stuff in from another country. That didn't answer the question. Now, when you say war, are you talking, uh, conventional war? Yeah, like shooting people, dropping bombs, setting mines, and, and get rid of the cartel. Listen, you guys know you're rational enough to understand these are politicians and political talking points because so many Americans are for dying. They, we've for had now, a war Dana. on drugs for a how You're many saying they're decades, not serious? Guys? You're saying they're not, not they're serious not, and they're oh going to go God, through it? No. They could, have, they could have taken care of this decades ago. You guys I think there's a tremendous that. price for doing that. So if they get the opportunity, they can make a tremendous amount of money by making a new war against the Mexican cartels. And they absolutely will jump on that given the opportunity because it gives them money. Right, because war is profitable. Right, so they will that. in I fact do this. This isn't a bluff, Dana. I don't think we're going to have to worry about that because if DeSantis is the one, now I didn't hear him say that, but I'm trusting that you guys, I don't miss a lot of political talk, but I'm trusting what you said, that he said this thing about murdering them. But the fact of the matter is that's not going to be an issue. I don't think he doesn't have what it takes to be, and I'm not knocking some of the things he's done as a governor, but um, I don't think he has what it takes especially for the future, going forward to be a president. It doesn't matter because he's not the only one who's doing this. I'll play it for you here. He doesn't use the word murder, of course, because it's not murder when they take somebody's uh, life without any kind of anything at all happening. But here's what he had to say. He's sitting down in uh, some chair with a microphone, talking presumably to an audience, being interviewed uh, somewhere recently. Here we go. So we are going to authorize the use of deadly force against the cartels. If Murder. you have somebody coming in with the fentanyl on their in the backpack, they even break through the border wall where there is wall. Uh, if they're doing that, uh, that's the last thing they, they're going to be able to do because we're going to leave them stone cold dead at the border. We're not putting up with it anymore. That applause is sick. Man. I mean, that sounds like murder to me, doesn't it, boys? They are crossing an imaginary line with a substance I don't like. That means we get to kill him. Yep. Thank you for the call tonight, Dana. The number here is 603-283-6160. But, but he's not the only one who's doing this. And if Dana is a little more reasonable than this, and she is at least willing to listen and have a conversation about ending the war on drugs, that's great. And there are some yeah. conservatives who 
can figure this out, who you can actually have a conversation with, and you can say, you support free markets, right? Well, yeah, yeah, free I don't, markets. I don't know a single uh, potential nominee for the Republican Party for president that hasn't promised this. Aaron Day. Okay, yeah, Aaron Day. Day 2024, I think, is the yep. campaign website.com, I believe. Check him out. I, I would hope that there would be others who didn't, but yeah, I mean, I know the Vivek guy was leading with this months ago, and then others have taken it from him and have sort of run with I, it, Trump included, by the way. I'm a little confused yeah. by by Dana's call just because, well, she's listened to this show, obviously. For many years, by and, the way. And, you know, we are not a conservative right-wing program. We are not a liberal leftist program. Uh, we have been a libertarian program as long as it's been a program, 20 mm-hmm. Two, three, four years, and it doesn't matter who's been, been in office. Mm-hmm. We've been a critic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, every we're an equal opportunity critic mm-hmm. here for uh, all politicians, including libertarians. I Absolutely, mean, the, the amount of times we have, uh, you know, ripped on libertarians is probably equal to the amount of times we've ripped on the left and the right. Maybe I don't know, uh, or at least it's enough that it we've counts, let them have it right? for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, um. You know, what what we are trying to get across to people is principles, ethics, freedom, liberty, voluntary interaction is the way to get things done. You do not need the violence of the state to get things done. You don't like somebody uh, bringing fentanyl across the border. The way to do that is to reduce the amount of law enforcement surrounding drugs and increase the amount of treatment for people who have a problem. Absolutely. Mm. Well, so the thing is, you are thinking of this in multiple dimensions, not just the left-right, but the authoritarian libertarian. Now, she is clearly incapable, as so many are, of adding that dimension to their way of thinking so like she's talking about oh those blue dog democrats i miss them and it's like i don't care how far left you are i don't care how far right you are at all what i care is how far libertarian or how far authoritarian most Mm -hmm. of these people look at us as if we are just a faction of their party like oh so you know here on the right we've got our church people and we've got our uh, police people and we've got this faction and this faction and one of those factions is these libertarians and no 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 that's not even remotely close to what we are and if the situation was reversed, then the left would look at us the same. Yeah, we've got our anti-war people over here. We've got our anti-drug people over here. And, like, there's a coalition uh, combining them into the libertarian part. No. Again, no. We're just the opposite of the state. That's it. I want to go back to the phones here. we got a caller on the line. What is your name, caller? You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, hello. My name is Paul. Welcome, Paul. You're on the air. Hey, man. I love your show. Um, I do, you're welcome. I do Grubhub. And so I listen to conservative talk radio and I just love your show. Um, where are you doing, where are you doing that? Where are you calling from tonight? Richmond, Virginia. Richmond. All right. Very good. Just wondering where you were listening. I'm not a rich man. North of Richmond. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That was going to be my next question. Thanks for superseding. So what what were you talking about tonight? Besides to just give us accolades, you must have had some other reason to call. Go ahead. You guys are so smart and quick witted. You're like a regular John I had some um, some libertarian style questions. The first time I ever heard libertarian was I used to listen to Man, I used to listen to Mankind Muller, and he would always talk about how he's libertarian. And I 
And so then I go to this website, isidewith.com. Mm-hmm. And so I answer the questions to the best of my knowledge, some things I know, some things I don't. I end up coming out being a constitutionalist. Hmm, now, okay. um, what would be the best piece of literature or the best uh, person to uh, read or study or, you know, who do you guys uh, follow? Or is there a good book about what is and is not libertarian? Because, I mean, I could just say, well, I want freedom for everything except abortion. That's like a dirty, sloppy libertarian. But you, you get my question? I, I get your question. And, uh, yeah. Peekless, do you want to take a I'm crack sorry, at this first? Uh, I, honestly, I, I, I don't read. I know that oh, sounds okay. crazy, All but right. like, um, I, I actually, uh, I have tremendous difficulty reading. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I, I do a lot of audio books and that sort of thing, but do you have, like, favorite, do I? Do you have a favorite, audiobook? um, but honestly, as far as this stuff goes, I mean, it, it, it's not any particular author. Um, in your case, uh, what might be interesting to you would be, uh, uh, Spooner. Uh, hmm. okay. Yeah, Lysander, Lysander Spooner, Spooner. Uh, because uh, he—I mean—he was you know a lot closer to the founding of the country, and he—he uh, he made the uh, the uh, the uh, voluntary alternative to the post office. So he was a delivery man. Yeah, he was a delivery man like yourself. Uh, made a uh, a free market version of the post office, and they really quickly made that illegal because he was doing <laughs> such a great job at such a low cost that he was putting them out of business. So they couldn't allow that. And one of the things that he points out that I think is a a really important idea, especially for for a constitutionalist like yourself to consider, is that the the tyranny that we have right now either is something that the Constitution caused to occur – or it was something that the Constitution could not prevent. And if that mm. is true, then why are we doing this Constitution thing? Uh, Paul, this is the captain. I'm going to uh, answer your question with a book recommendation, uh, only because uh, it's something that helped me, and I have been described by other people prior to uh, coming you know, out of the fog of statism as a constitutionalist prior. Like, I just always had the knee-jerk reaction. I came up in a, you know, a, a religious family. And everybody always just pointed at the book, right? Oh, what does the book say? So, mm-hmm. like, it was natural for me to go, oh, point at the Constitution. What does that say? That's what we should do. Right. Uh, the book I'm going to recommend to you is by Larkin Rose. It's called The Most Dangerous Superstition. Good one. Yeah, good one. And that one really sort of, I mean, I already kind of knew most of the material by the time I read the book, but it solidified everything that I had learned up until that point and really, really solidified me as a voluntarist. All right, so uh, I I don't know if you're. Uh, yeah, I got one for you too here. Um, having come from the right myself, my family were Republicans, and then discovering the ideas of liberty in the 1990s, I discovered them through the Libertarian Party's candidate for president in 1996 and 2000. His name was Harry Brown. B R O W N E. Brown with an E. Harry Brown. He wrote two books. Uh, the first one is called Why Government Doesn't Work. And you don't need to read the second one. You can stop, I think, with, with that one. The second one's good, too. Uh, it's called The Great Libertarian Offer. But Why Government Doesn't Work was a huge eye-opener for me. That was the, the first real libertarian book I read. I'm not saying it may be the best book. The, the nice thing about the libertarian movement is there's a ton of authors. There really we is. We are well covered with books. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have as many like in, entertaining uh, television programs and other things that could actually bring massive amounts of people in. But if you like to read, we got you covered on that one. And yeah. 
I honestly would advise Black like look into some libertarian the most dangerous superstition. Yeah. yeah, so the most dangerous superstition is by Larkin Rose. And why government doesn't work is Harry Brown with an E. Sorry, Peakless, what were you saying? I I would say that uh, another thing to look into is just listen to some libertarian podcasts. Listen to some people. Yeah, yeah, man. That's, that's, I think, the the best way to do it, really. I think that's the best way to do it is to just expose yourself to people who are thinking from that perspective. What do we think of Shapiro? Was that the question? Yeah. He's a conservative. Yeah, he's he, he is oh, very he is very authoritarian in a lot of ways. Uh, most especially his uh, application to the military and to drugs. He he has liberty he has some libertarian leanings when it comes to say uh, weaponry oh, or uh, uh, religious practice. But all in all, gotcha. he is uh, he's conservative. He says he's libertarian. That guy. Well, um, when I get to watch the free first half of the show, he will prominently say. Um, he's libertarian. Ridiculous. Wow. I mean, just <laughs> just ridiculous. And this is part of the problem of why we need to do what you were talking about earlier, Peakless, and make sure we differentiate ourselves from these conservatives who want to play like they're libertarians, who do not agree with ending the war on drugs, which is one of the most basic human freedom issues out there. But I think, you know, listening to podcasts is nice and all, but but the best thing to do is to get a good book where it can just hit you on issue after issue, lay out the principles. I mean, we, we try to do that here, but we're also just taking phone calls and we the conversation can go all over the place so getting a good book or two uh under your belt i think is probably more important than uh than listening to podcasts well i mean yeah. uh, i i hate to recommend a book i haven't read but one that i usually hear about is anatomy of the state by murray rothbard yeah. like yeah. that seems to be like it's uh it's a tough read from what i understand but it is uh that's a really what i like about one. harry brown is he's not a tough read at all uh he really drew me in because i don't want to read an academic book i'm not interested in it i can't follow it just not interested in that kind of writing but his writing is very down to earth very easy to read very easy to consume anybody can do it and uh and i really thought that was good because it, it helped me a lot and helped me understand some of when the issues when i was issues. younger i tried to read the federalist papers that was a big task yeah. That sounds oh, awful. Yeah. Hey, thanks for the call. Enjoy, yeah. uh, enjoy the ride out there. It was great to talk to you oh, guys. And, and if you if you manage to get through any of the Federalist Papers, check out the Anti-Federalist Papers. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, by the way, we're out of thank time for tonight, but thank you for the call. Call in any time with any follow-up questions or anything else you want to share with us, especially if you read those books and you want to let us know what you think about them. It would be great to have a, a book review or any kind of questions that come out of those. Uh, and I did read The Most Dangerous Superstition the first time I was in jail. Somebody sent that in. Oh, nice. And, uh, and then, of course, at the county jail, you can donate your books to the library. And then some yes. of the other activists got arrested later for other things. And they had the book cart yeah. that they brought around. And that book was on the book cart nice. going around the jail, which is like a yeah. nice oh, bonus. Um, I've also heard great things about uh, Democracy, the God that Failed. Uh, that's another one I've been looking to uh, pick up at some point. You guys can do more book recommendations and Beard Talk Live starting in 30 minutes at watch.freetalklive.com. Enjoy your weekend this is mark edge with free talk live mark warden with porcupinerealestate.com is one of the best real estate agents i've ever worked with i've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life and i feel like i know what i'm doing but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know mark warden with porcupinerealestate.com found a problem with the house that i was buying that ultimately saved me sixty five thousand dollars 
He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com.